this sucks. Hello, and welcome to Play This, the podcast where two old friends talk about video games. I'm Max. And I'm Daniel. And as promised, this week, uh, these two old friends are joined by their star allies to talk about Kirby star allies. <laughs> Hi, I'm Max's wife, Stephanie. Hi, I'm Daniel's girlfriend, Amy. And you will recognize Amy, of course, from our Game of the Year podcast. Yeah. Welcome back, Amy. Thank you. It's I, good to be back. I think, Daniel, you recognize Amy from other things, too, but yeah. mostly from the podcast. Yes, yeah. yeah. Primarily the podcast, sometimes from Daniel. house that we live in together. What? I, I, I went clean. <laughs> I, I, went, I went nice there. House that we live in together was my favorite show on Netflix. <laughs> So yeah, this week we're going to talk about uh, Kirby Star Allies, which we all played in our pairings. That's what people generally call their relationships. It's not a weird <laughs> thing to say at all. Uh, but before we get to talking about our pink, fluffy friend uh, who soars the sky on stars, uh, let's talk about some video game news, as we like to do. Yes. Very colorful, very colorful speech for me today. Right? I know we're recording on a Sunday. <laughs> normally, normally we record on a Saturday, right? And I guess that extra day has just made me really uh, pontificate. Yeah, you got that, got that extra rest. Oh. Your, your brain's percolated in full gear. You're spouting rainbows. <laughs> yeah, Max did spend most of yesterday at a literary festival with me, so oh. I think he was just really inspired I was. by yeah. all of the authors. Yeah, yeah. Just surrounded by all those books, <laughs> yeah. some big words. But there weren't really that many books there. Oh, okay. There's mostly, you know, book people. Okay. Inspired by... Inspired by book people. Yeah, like like Pagemaster. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably has like a, a an anniversary coming up soon. Oh, yeah. We're so old. <laughs> <laughs> We're not as old as Macaulay Culkin, though. Oh, man. The real Pagemaster. So... <laughs> So what video game news are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about the Switch adaptation of Page Master <laughs> <laughs> being made by EA. <laughs> be a good platform. For that would it. actually be really cool. Yeah. Well, sorry um, that I took your joke seriously. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Don't you understand our dynamic yet? <laughs> uh, so I think the first piece of video game news we wanted to talk about was um, Sega made a number of exciting announcements. Um, Daniel, take it away. Yeah, Sega had their fan festival. Their, uh, their fanstival? Yeah, it's called the like Sega FES, and they they generally just run a panel where they celebrate their fans, but they like to drop a couple like little announcements, and they happen to be like big little announcements this time. First, they announced the Sega Genesis Mini. The say like uh like you know how there's the NES classic right. and the SNES classic. Sega was basically like, oh, we want to do that, <laughs> and uh, miniature Genesis console with a bunch of preloaded games on it is coming out sometime this year. Did they announce which games? No, they did not announce which games. I hope Aladdin's on it. Uh, oh man, that'd be cool. I wouldn't get your hopes up for that. No, that's that's probably like stuck in some kind of licensing hell. But they also announced. Their Sega Ages collection, which is sort of like these enhanced ports of uh, old Sega games like the original Sonic the Hedgehog and and Fantasy Star and Thunder Force 2, all these older games, they are getting Switch releases uh, coming out starting this summer. And that's cool because I'm a big Genesis kid, right? and this will be an easy way for me to recommend some of those games to you if they come out on Switch. You're an, a big genesis kid but you're also the biggest nintendo kid i know yeah so it really is like if if eight-year-old daniel could play his sega games on a nintendo console oh yeah i no. don't think i ever would have met him he, he, i don't think, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> the world would have ever met him i think he would have just been 
that. Yeah, he, yeah. I've been like your Fortress of Solitude is Sega combined with Nintendo. He'd be freaking out right now. It'd be a good time. Do you want to check in with him? See how he's doing? Hey, hey, eight year old Daniel, how, how you doing? The 90s are weird. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> no. I thought it would be cute, and then it was started off creepy <laughs> and went really nowhere up. Much like the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and their biggest little announcement was HD ports of the first two Shenmue games are coming to PS4 and Xbox One and PC. And that's kind of a big deal because Shenmue 3 is supposed to come out within the next year. And now people with a console that's newer than the Dreamcast from 2000 <laughs> can actually play those older games and have an incentive to... To check out Shenmue yeah. 3. How much do like copies of Shenmue for Dreamcast go these days? Um, I th- I think they're moderately expensive, but not like absurd. Not like sweet and expensive. Yeah, no, okay. not, not sweet and expensive. I this is great for me because I played Shenmue one on the Dreamcast. I got like a used Dreamcast and I got a used copy of Shenmue, and the disc was bad, so I got to play like an hour of it, and then the game would crash at the exact same point every time. So great. Yeah, good good era of game. Good I love era. I love that stuff. <laughs> that that whole era of consoles was not our greatest work. <laughs> yeah. Um so now I get to play through both games if I want uh without doing that and I'm sure they've aged really well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they won't look like a potato. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll look like a like a upscaled potato. A hot please. potato. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The Shenmue 1 and 2, the hottest of potatoes. <laughs> So that's our first. Bit of, <laughs> that's our first bit of video game news, and um, I think since we have guests on the podcast this week, yeah, one of those guests is not really a video game person in general. I think Stephanie, you said that you brought some other news to the table. I did. News item one: Meghan Markle was spotted here in Chicago getting her visa paperwork ready so she can become a British citizen when she marries Prince Harry. She was wearing a White Sox hat. Until you said married Prince Harry, yeah. you were getting a lot of blank stares from Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea what was going on. I was like, who's Meghan Markle? Is she like, is she like a new character in Brooklyn Nine Nine? I didn't know. Yeah, what's this character from Brooklyn Nine Nine is coming to Chicago <laughs> to get her visa. To get her visa. Yeah. Yeah. To be in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that sounds like a Brooklyn Nine Nine plot. Yeah. Ex- except, I guess. Brooklyn Nine Nine doesn't really leave New York much. No, it, it is Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, all. that was my first news item. <laughs> Good news item. Okay. I'm, I'm happy for her. Yeah, yeah, you know, great. Why did she have to come to Chicago for that? Unclear. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> she's from the area, though, right? Yeah, she went oh. to Northwestern. So maybe uh-huh. that's why. Yeah. yeah, I I do love that uh, Stephanie is very invested in sort of the the royal marriage, like that whole deal. Yeah. Uh, whenever I hear stories about british rich people getting married it's through stephanie that's that's my entire window <laughs> to that world I, w- I would consider myself a source like yeah. a, an authority yeah, really yeah all right jumping back to video game news daniel video game news number two i'll let amy take this one because she's actually the one that's most excited about it jumping over to amy amy video game news number two video game news number two spyro reignited yeah i am so excited because i had Spyro Enter the Dragonfly for GameCube, which was not received well, but I loved (laughs) the crap out of that game. So I'm super excited that we're getting new Spyro kind of remastered games. Yeah, so Spyro Reignited Trilogy is a 
uh, just got announced. It's a remaster, a very, very well done remaster of the first three Spyro games. They they have sort of these side by side like image comparisons uh, to the to like the first Spyro game from the PlayStation One days, and then the the new ones. They look they look really good. They the new ones look like PS4 games. They really they really up those graphics, and it's incredibly visually impressive. I actually played the first Spyro. When I had a PlayStation, yeah, me too. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny to hear that, like Amy's first Spyro game was was <laughs> a generation later. Yeah. The, those those first three were before her time, really. So like, stop. <laughs> so it's cool. To, it's cool to hear that you get to experience those those games like for the first time. Yeah, I'm really excited because Enter the Dragonfly was not a great game. No. But young Amy didn't realize that. She just had a jolly good time. You had to find the dragonflies, you had to headbutt things. Yeah, it was good. You got to hear Elijah Wood's day stuff. Yeah. Was, was that the era where Elijah Wood I was voicing Spider? Don't actually know because once again, like young Amy was just <laughs> was, like, Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's Elijah Wood. I mean, he's not Harry Potter. <laughs> Close though. I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> I think but that's like that's the great thing about games from that time of our lives. It doesn't matter how good or how bad a game was. Like, yeah. when you right. played at that age, every game is great. Yeah. Even right. if, like, you played again later, like, oh, wait, this is actually terrible. Like, one of the first video games <laughs> I ever played was Spot, the 7-Up video game. Oh. It was just a terrible platform where you played a Spot. <laughs> it used to be the mascot of 7-Up back in the 90s. Like, I'm sure that was not a very good video game. What is I, the mascot of 7-Up? They, they anthropomorphized literally the Spot in 7-Up. Like, 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 the, the red, red circle? Yeah, yeah, they turned him mm-hmm. into a character. And they gave him a Bugsby style platformer, essentially. That might also be a reference that is before your time. Uh, uh, I'm only 22. <laughs> the, yeah, the 90s were weird. Stephanie, are you familiar at all with Spyro? No. <laughs> I think you think he was really cute. Yeah. He's like this little purple dragon, yeah. and he's really adorable. Yeah, he's, he's, he's sort of like a dragon in training. He's not really good at flying yet, oh. and uh, and he just like wants to be a, a really a really strong, really powerful dragon, but he's like a teen. He's Unfo- a good little boy. Yeah. Unfortunately, since Spyro hasn't been a thing for like 20 years... Daniel doesn't have a little figurine of him. Like, he has a little figurine of almost every major video game character. I was looking. I was scanning your shelves to see if I could point out Spyro. But no, that, does, that, does, that doesn't exist. Imagine, yeah. like, Mewtwo, but a dragon. Okay. And also less <laughs> grumpy looking. Yeah, a little, little cuter. Yeah. Much yeah. cuter. And Mewtwo yeah. is very, like, crotch forward. I don't know if that's just <laughs> this Spyro's. figurine. Or no, no, I'd say that's actually kind of endemic to Mewtwo's character. Okay, yeah. Yeah. He really leads with his groin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What is a Pokemon? I don't know, but check out my junk. (laughs) (laughs) What type am I? Horny. (laughs) All right, that's enough to file in that uh, classic children's franchise. Stephanie, do you have a news item number two? News item number two. Is it related to Meghan Markle? I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Khloe Kardashian has given birth to a baby girl. The name has not yet been released. Didn't her significant other cheat on her it has been a troubling time <laughs> for chloe yeah yeah she gave birth amidst a firestorm of cheating rumors involving the father of her baby mm. but uh yeah I didn't really, maybe this reveals more about our relationship than i should on a podcast i don't really take you for our kardashian type of person i'm not but i'm just reporting the most important pop culture news of the week okay. um and this was a lead item on people.com what, what was the name of chloe kardashian's first kid 
This was her first kid. Oh, mm-hmm. oh dang. Yeah. Um, a lot of pressure then. I'm, I'm mixing up my Kardashians. I mean, fair. There's a lot of them. That's yeah. why there's a show called Keeping Up with okay, the Kardashians. Okay, I, <laughs> I have a complaint about that show. I was, I was on an airplane, and I was scrolling through the free content that the airplane was providing. And one of the shows was a Keeping Up with the Kardashians from 2011. And I just feel like that show should be forced by like the FCC to rename itself after a certain amount of time. Because I can't keep up with the Kardashians if the news I'm learning about them is from 2011. It's seven years ago. That's they, not keeping up. They should call it Context with the Kardashians. <laughs> context go. with a K. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so much better. Because like yeah. that would actually be what's happening. Like If I learn about some... The, seven years is a long time, folks. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, that's all the Kardashian content i can stop yeah. these aren't like meant to be long news items i'm just giving you the updates yeah yeah, yeah. it's important it's, yeah p- appreciate it play this starring chloe kardashian <laughs> <laughs> we we've called her to to guest star uh haven't gotten a call back for some reason but you know any minute any other video game news you want to cover billy mitchell is a fraud which is not really a surprise <laughs> no no it's not uh, i feel so, like this is one of the worst kept secrets in video gaming so billy mitchell is this guy who's sort of, I don't know, he's kind of a D-list celebrity, really. His claim to fame was that he was very good at Donkey Kong. Yes, uh, to the point that actually there is a movie called King of Kong where he's the villain of that story. Because he's kind of an asshole. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> kind of a dick. Uh, he's, he's super cocky. King of Kong is basically the story of this this newcomer, this, this guy Steve Weeb, trying to beat Billy Mitchell's Donkey Kong high score, and he has to deal with a lot of hurdles along the way, most of them caused by Billy Mitchell obstructing his path. Uh, Much like Donkey Kong. (laughs) Throwing barrels. (laughs) Like, there's there's actually a sequence where Steve Weeb's trying to get the high score at an arcade so he can prove that he's legitimate and can't only do it from home, and Billy Mitchell, like, rounds up the entire arcade to, like, watch him play through Donkey Kong to psych him out. Uh... Yeah, he's he he is like a comic book villain in that movie. His name sounds like an '80s or like '90s film antagonist. Like he, Billy Mitchell is, sounds like yeah. Billy Mitchell, you know? Yeah, like, like he's he's like this tall, wiry dude with like a ponytail and a goatee, okay. and he wears like a lot of Daniel, American is, flag ties. <laughs> yeah, what what? We don't have to keep this in the podcast, but is that where you got the idea of a? Uh... Oh yes, yes it is. Okay. Uh, I for a role play game, I. I made a character called Highland Score, oh. uh, and I base him off of Billy Mitchell. He's just a, yeah. a snotty, evil dude. I yeah, I loved playing that character. Actually, it was really fun. <laughs> so why is he a fraud? Uh, so he's held all these records in Donkey Kong and various other games. He he was the first person to score over a million points on the Donkey Kong arcade machine, which is considered a big deal and very very hard to do. It's so hard to do that it's actually technically impossible in arcade hardware, which is how we figured out that, oh, maybe he fudged these scores a bit. Maybe these scores that he uploaded aren't legitimate. So there's a big investigation by uh, by the people that registered his high score, and they finally came to a verdict after years. Year. I mean, King of Kong came out. I remember watching it in college, yeah. and it was out already for a while at that point. Yeah, they, they came to a verdict, and they decided, hey, turns out that Billy Mitchell doing this score is actually impossible on real Donkey Kong hardware. He made it, he he falsified it. Uh, so, 
He's getting his record pulled from the Guinness Book of World Records, and he's banned from Twin Galaxies. He's banned from putting in new scores ever again. Good. Yeah. A satisfying conclusion to a, <laughs> a problematic documentary. Yeah, yeah. Steve Weeb, the star of King of Kong, is actually now legally the first... <laughs> well, maybe not legally. <laughs> is, is, is actually now officially considered the first person to legitimately get over a million points in Donkey Kong. So, you know, good good for him. Yeah. Yeah, he... He was he was the sure. baby face of of that uh that movie, and and Billy Mitchell was the heel. I've I think been, I've I think... learned a bit about wrestling lately. Oh, any reason? Uh, a bunch of people tweeted about WrestleMania last week. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling has become a lot more popular very quickly. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, like it's just really good for memes. I think that guy who does the yes 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 a lot. Oh, he's, sure. he's a he's a he's a funny dude. Yeah, yeah, very adorable. I did see someone tweet this morning, like, when are we going to get a Switch remake of No Mercy? And my God, I would love that. Because some (laughs) of those early aught um, wrestling video games were so good. No Mercy for the N64 was incredible. WrestleMania 2000 was really good. I put a lot of time into those video games with uh, my friend Travis. Yeah, even as someone that wasn't really ever into wrestling, I played some of those. Yeah. They they were fun. They had really robust character creators. They didn't have the terrible physics that modern wrestling games have, where if you, like, walk into someone, they fall over. Yeah. Uh, They were really, really good games. Yeah. Anyway, that's our wrestling corner uh, (laughs) for the week. Can I do my final news? Please. Save us from this wrestling talk. (laughs) Final news. Uh, Beyonce was the first black woman to open Coachella and brought Destiny's Child back on stage with her for a mini reunion. Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. I've seen a lot of tweets about her performance, and apparently, I mean, no surprise, but apparently it was like one of the best performances people had ever seen of any artist of all time. Correct. Wow. You know, I generally think that Beyonce is a little overrated, but that actually sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, part of the choreography was a tribute to HBCU marching bands, and it's um, like there's like a lot of statement earrings. It just looked great. Oh wow! Yeah, good for Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. I also heard she maybe dragged Jay Z a little bit on stage, which like I would not be sad about, considering he's not a great husband. Yeah. 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 Not my place to judge their marriage, but I mean, hey, we're talking about the Kardashians, so yeah. <laughs> I guess a little bit of gossip isn't, uh, yeah. <laughs> isn't untoward. All right, I think we have one last piece of video game news, and I think we can burn through this one pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but I just happened to see yesterday that um, Football Manager uh, Touch 2018 got announced for the Switch with no lead-up, with no build-up, with no fanfare. They just announced with no precursor that Football Manager would be coming out for the Switch, I don't think that that by itself is a super interesting piece of news. Although I did, I have played and owned Football Manager games in the past. I don't think I'm going to buy it for Switch. Okay. Um, I don't really think it's a game that I want to play portably. Right. Um, but I just think this is an interesting thing for the Switch because so many companies are leading with their upcoming Switch games yeah. and building that runway out because the Switch is so popular and you get news coverage just by saying you're going to have a Switch game. Yeah. But to see a company just like, oh, wait, no, here's a game. Yeah, they, they just shadow dropped it. Yeah, it's yeah. really fascinating to me. And uh, it made me wonder what other shadow drop games we would like to see on Switch. Uh, if, like, tomorrow we wake up and a game that we had no idea was coming out on Switch came out. I've wanted this. Actually, it's funny. I have an immediate answer to this because I've wanted this for the past six years. Every time Nintendo has a Nintendo Direct... They they tend to sort of shadow drop things like at least once per per string of announcements. You know they usually be like, and here's a small new little game. You can download it 
on your Nintendo platform of choice tonight. You know, <laughs> they, they do that a lot. They did that with the Breath of the Wild expansion most recently. For like the past six years of my life, I have just wanted them to do that with Mother 3. Oh, yeah. 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 The sequel to Earthbound that we never got in the States, but it has a very well done translation out on the internet. And there's been a lot of rumors flying around that Nintendo is like licensed that translation or that they're working on their own. And I, every time there's a direct, I just, I just cross my fingers and hope they shadow drop that. That'd be a, a, that title would work on the Switch really well, too. Hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, As in the the game would work. Yeah, it's not like. Oh, that title looks good on the Switch's screen. <laughs> oh, Mother 3. Ooh, that was a really great font. <laughs> yeah. Which three mothers is this about? I have to know. <laughs> it's me, the Mother's 3. <laughs> uh, I think I, I would love to see, not that we have a lot of knowledge about this, but the apparent revitalization of wrestling. Mm. Similarly, I would love to see EA re, uh, resurrect EA Big. And mm. if they shadow dropped like a new NBA street game, oh. I would love that. That series was so good. And I understand why EA Big like went away and they stopped making all those like street spinoff games of sports games. Yeah. But that was a really, really solid series. And I think it's been enough time now where if they started from scratch and kind of, you know, had a nod to the old games, but it wasn't like a remake or a port or whatever. It was like a new game revitalizing that series. That would be really cool. Yeah, okay. Amy, if you could, like, have a game suddenly release tomorrow, what what would you want? I don't know, that's a hard question, because there's a lot of games I would like on the Switch. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool that they're bringing Dark Souls to the Switch, because I've been yeah. vaguely interested in it for a while, um, but never actually played it, and now that it's coming to Switch, I might actually pick that up. Okay. So I think more games kind of like that, like more RPG, more kind yeah. of skill yeah. level that you need. Um, I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah. RPGs have not been Nintendo's strong suit for a yeah. very long, like since Final Fantasy left. Yeah. Uh, so it would be great to see in this era of Switch excellence. Yeah. Or rather, uh, more accurate would be say RPGs have never Nintendo's strong suit on console. On console. For a couple yes. generations. Thank you. That's a good point. Yeah. The Game Boy Advance yeah, and yeah. DS are like treasure troves yeah. of good RPGs. Yeah. That's a good point. Thank treasure you. Treasure troves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Daniel's Pirate Corner. <laughs> that was last week. Oh, okay. <laughs> Stephanie, <laughs> you look uh, like a child lost in the woods. Um, it's like a Kindle, but you could read a book on Switch. Yeah, That'd there's a whole cool. genre called visual novels. You know? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. True. Dating I mean, Sims. You know, this could all be up your alley. I, I yeah. mean, what if Sims 4 just hit the Switch? <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so as we will discuss a lot in Kirby, I'm sure, uh, mm-hmm. just using a video game controller is very hard for me. Oh. So I feel like playing Sims on the Switch would just be like <laughs> my Sim peeing itself. Like, <laughs> figure out how to get into a bathroom. Yeah, I think Sims on Switch would be really cool because of the touch screen. Right. Oh, yeah. Because you could just, instead of a clicking with a mouse, you could just tap your sim. And yeah, oh, yeah, you could play that. it in handhold mode and, and just touch the screen to, to do cool. the thing. Just, I didn't yeah. know that was a feature of it. It's not a very advertised feature of the Switch. They never really flaunt that too much because right. they, they want you to be able to play it on your TV. And obviously the touch screen stuff isn't functional when you're in TV mode. But yeah, that's that's the thing that the Switch can do. It's cool. Yeah, I don't think I've ever used the touchscreen on my Switch. Same. Just because no game has ever been designed around it. I don't use the touchscreen on my Switch because 
the screen looks so nice and I don't want my greasy fingerprints all over it. Do you not have a screen cover? Uh, no. Oh, I have an extra one. I'll uh, bring it next time. Oh, um, huh. Thanks. Thanks, <laughs> Friendship. <laughs> but yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Cool. I think that rounds up our uh, news a little bit longer than we normally do, but we had some extra viewpoints to share yeah. and uh, some very pressing matters uh, vis-a-vis <laughs> Meghan Markle uh, <laughs> that we needed to cover for our Chicago uh-huh. audience. Vis-a-vis. <laughs> oh! That was clever. Oh, thank- that was honestly not intentional. <laughs> but I'll credit. take it. <laughs> um, so uh, now let's uh, maybe talk a little bit about what else we're playing now. Um, so again... Our assigned game of the podcast was Kirby Star Allies. Um, but in the meantime, what else have we been filling our time with? So last time we were on the podcast, I mentioned that I was replaying Curse of Monkey Island. And in the time since then, I've beaten it. Yeah, uh, with, with Amy watching me play the whole time. I've never experienced a Monkey Island game before. So this was very interesting. And now you've experienced Daniel's favorite Monkey Island game. Yeah, yes. it's... It's pretty great. Like, I have a couple of things wrong with it, but overall, it's a really fun and funny game. I, I actually really enjoyed it. And I imagine that you now feel like you understand Daniel so much better than I, before. I so freaking do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, there's there's so many bits that have very clearly shaped my sense of humor. Mewtwo's bits, for one. <laughs> Good, that's that's the joke you should call back to. <laughs> that's, that's what we should... You can cut it. <laughs> I just wanted to say it. Yeah, no, it's funny. Um... There's a bit where we go to this place called Skull Island because the island is apparently like very spooky and shaped like a skull. And you get there and the ferryman is like, Behold, Skull Island! Ooh, scary! And then you see it and the rock at the top of the island just looks like a duck's head. Oh yeah, that's right. And, and Guybrush <laughs> goes, but that, that doesn't look like a skull. It looks like a duck. It should be called Duck Island. And the fairy man goes, well, if you turn your head to the side and squint a little bit, ooh, the horror. And then Guybrush says, if you turn your head to the side and squint a little bit, it looks like a bunny. <laughs> I actually remember that bit from when I played through that game. I didn't remember it until you said it. But... <laughs> no, that's that's one of my favorite jokes in the history of video games. I it love makes it. so much sense as to who you are as a person to this day. Uh, I gotta say that my my favorite part about this game was this evil undead skeleton named Murray. And it's just his head. Yeah, like, it's just, well, yeah, after he gets exploded. Yeah. Um, He's just, like, a talking skull who thinks he's so menacing and frightening when he's really not. Yeah. Like, he's so lovable, and he was the best part of that video game. Yeah, he he does a lot of, like, evil speeches. Like, uh... (laughs) Like he's like, oh, you're laughing now, but soon I will, I will destroy you, and I will, I will stride down the halls of hell with your head on a pike. And Guybrush just like stride, fine, roll, I will roll down the gates. <laughs> you must take the fun out of everything. Like Murray's so good. How much of that game can you do from memory at this point? A lot. Oh, let me. T- <laughs> no, no, so, don't tell me. No, like I, I will tell you one thing. I played the whole game. I played, I beat every puzzle without a walkthrough. 
that game is very obtuse. There are a lot of things that just a reasonable person could not right. figure out. But since I had this game memorized, I played through the whole thing without ever like having to consult a walkthrough. I think to to clarify that point for someone who may not be familiar with that era of point click adventure games, yeah, was this was back before things were easy to discover on the internet. Yeah, like you couldn't just Google how to beat Curse of Monkey Island. So video game designers to elongate the game would make these puzzles that sometimes you wouldn't really be able to figure out easily or um, without more knowledge than you had at the time. Yeah. Um, some of it's trial and error. Some of it is finding the right forum. Yeah. Uh, some of it's buying uh, tip guides. Yeah. But back in this era, actually, some games would just be bundled with the strategy guide. Right. And Curse of Monkey Island was. So I just had that strategy guide in my lap when I was like 13 years old, just like flipping pages as I solved puzzles practically. That, yeah. that game design ethos is definitely a relic of its time. Yeah. I think some games you still see some of those same tendencies. Yeah. Um, but like that, that idea of let's make something so obtuse, you really can't solve it on your own unless you get lucky. Yeah. Is definitely a relic of its time. Yeah. <laughs> God, there's, there's some really weird puzzles in that game. There's one where to convince a pirate to join your crew, uh, you have to present to him treasure. He says he wants, he wants real treasure. He wants to see gold. So you find a guy running a restaurant and he has a gold tooth. So first what you do is you feed him a jawbreaker so that his gold tooth gets loose. <laughs> and then you give him some bubble gum uh, so that when he, he, he chews on the gum and, and every now and then he'll blow a bubble and you'll see the gold, his gold tooth just in the bubble. So then you pop that bubble with a pin that you have in your inventory. Now, you can't just carry the gold tooth out of the restaurant because he realizes his gold tooth is missing and he stops you and takes the gold tooth back from you. So what you have to do before you leave the restaurant is... Some of these puzzles are so gross, by the way. They are disgusting. You, you, uh, you chew some gum, you put the gold tooth in your own gum, and then you happen to have some helium balloons. You suck some of the helium up from the balloon and then blow a bubble of your gum with the gold tooth inside it, and the the bubble gum with the gold tooth inside it will float out of the window of the restaurant uh, and then you can retrieve it outside the restaurant at that point. Yeah, how's that weird? <laughs> I like how you choose the bubblegum puzzle to showcase how disgusting some of the puzzles are. Oh my when god. When one of the puzzles, you literally rip the skin off of a guy's back for a map. Yeah. Uh, there's we don't have to go into detail. You can't see it on the podcast, but Stephanie just made a very disturbing yeah. face. <laughs> yeah, it's no. It's really gross. Yeah. Yeah, when we were talking about this game on the podcast last time, you're like, yeah, I don't really know why people don't love this game more than the predecessors. <laughs> There's probably a few good reasons. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. But it is a really cool puzzle game. There's some puzzles that are really hard. There's some puzzles that are really easy. But it's very creative in the way it does it. Yeah. Um, the protagonist is a terrible person <laughs> who gets like no character development. <laughs> uh, he, like he's just an asshole. Yeah. Um, it's... <laughs> but it's a good fun game. <laughs> yeah. It's that. That was a different a different era where Guybrush is likable because he he's very optimistic and he he has a lot of, like, great one-liners, but he, he does some terrible things. He's chaotic neutral. Yeah. So at the risk of talking too much about Curse of Monkey Island, what else have you been playing since the last time? <laughs> I also downloaded the demo for this game called Senko no Rond 2. It was, it was on my radar in the past, but I never played it before. It's basically a bullet hell shooter that's also a fighting game. It's very weird to explain. Basically, you get to select your character. Uh, you're both sort of on this uh, this screen where you can fly around each other and shoot bullets at each other. 
and you all have different ways you can shoot the bullets. Uh, while you do that, a meter sort of fills up, and every character has something called boss mode, where they can turn into, like, a giant boss robot. Like, if you've ever played, like, a like a bullet hell shooter, like, you know, those giant screen-filling bosses that just, like, cover the whole screen bullets, yeah. you get to turn into one of those and just shoot, like, a hail of bullets, like, at your opponent while you fill up the screen and just shoot all these lasers and crazy stuff. You become a bullet hell boss. That's interesting. And, uh... And both you and your opponent have the ability to do that, and it's very hectic and very cool, and I've never really played a no. fighting game like that before. You and I are, are not super bullet hell people, so yeah. how do you enjoy that part of the, the game? Uh, actually, it's it's really cool, because um, I'd, say, I'd say the bullet hell part isn't impossible. It's sort of Undertale hard, I guess, at worst, and Undertale, I think, has a lot of manageable bullet hell. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. That game just ended up being really fun. I, I love that they turned it into a competitive multiplayer game. I, I love that spin on it. It suddenly makes the whole bullet hell thing much more interesting and palatable to me. Are you going to, based off of this demo experience, going to buy the game? I, I want to buy the game, yeah. I It's it's $40, so I think I might wait for a sale. I Not because I don't think it's necessarily worth $40, but because I don't really have a lot of people to play that game with. Right. Uh, I don't know if I'd get my money's worth personally by spending $40 on it and then playing through single player and playing it with Sean twice before he gets tired (laughs) of it. So So on sale. Yeah, so on sale, I will absolutely pick that game up. Cool. Stephanie, I know there haven't been any video games you've played in the last two weeks, but what other media have you uh, enjoyed? Wait, you don't want me to talk about Sims 4 Pets? Have you played Sims 4 Pets this week? Not this week. Uh, no. Well, you can but talk about it's it. Like, yeah. uh, um, as always, Sims 4 Pets is the only game I play. <laughs> the oldest son in my favorite family just graduated from high school and oh. yeah, left his part-time job as a landscaper to become a full-time professional athlete. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a switch I didn't see coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty good what, for him. What sport does he specialize in? It's unclear. It's uh, <laughs> not, not clear in the game. In the fiction of your head? In the um I didn't really think about oh, that. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Um other media I've enjoyed. Um I was partially along for the ride as Max rewatched all of The Office. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which was interesting and fun. We have a lot of thoughts about Pam, the two of us. We do indeed. We do indeed. Um I know this is controversial. I'm not a super Pam fan. Wow. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we're both, we're both Friendship team Karen. over. Yeah. yeah. You're a Pam person? I'm a Pam person. Have I, you watched the whole show? I have watched the whole show. And you're cool with uh, what she did to I, Jim? I'm not cool with it, okay. but I still think she's a good character. I oh, actually, yeah, sure. Uh, there was a Facebook page the other day that I actually uh, reposted an article that's like, we need to talk about how Pam is the worst character in the office. And I got so upset that I... I've been following this page for a long time. And I just unliked the page and unfollowed it, and I was like, I can't even tell you how wrong this article is. I'm not even going to read it. And, I mean, and to be clear, you, you do think that Pam is a flawed character. You right. just don't yes. think she's the worst one. Absolutely. Well, and I also yeah. that opens up a conversation by what do we mean about worst? Because as a person, Pam's not a great person. Uh, she, but she grows more than most other people in the show. Exactly. So as a character, she goes through a ton of development, which is very interesting. Right. The people she harms by going through that development. Yeah, it's not good. Anyway, yeah. Stephanie, you were talking about The Office. <laughs> no, no, that's right. Um, I, it's just, <laughs> just a fun uh, 
thing I learned yesterday. So at this book festival I was on, I was on a couple different panels about writing young adult romance. And it turned uh. out that one of the other people on my panels for a large portion of her life had written extremely erotic Jim and Pam fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I have so many follow-up questions for later. <laughs> so I feel like I might try to find that because I've got a lot of questions. Did she say she published it anywhere, like online or anything, or did she write it for herself? No, it was published online. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, wow. So I believe we could find that. Wow. Yeah. Under a pseudonym? I would assume. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you're a YA author, you yeah. can't have that linked to your uh, Jim and Pam erotica. Yeah, I. You know what? Yeah. You would think. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe like a, an unlicensed spinoff has potential there. You know, like Fifty Shades of Paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Oh, that was very good. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on any of your thoughts? I know you you uh, have have privately said a lot of things about Pam versus Karen. Oh well, oh, I yeah. I love Karen. Um, I'm a huge Karen fan, um, and always have been. Yeah, Karen getting done that dirty yeah. is where I stopped watching The Office. That's actually, fair. yeah, yeah. Well, because as, as you've pointed out, Stephanie, that like the whole thing with athlete and like Jim not feeling like he can, you know being Philly part-time and Scranton part-time, you're always quick to say that Karen would just move to Philly with him to pursue his dream at the drop of a hat. If Jim had married Karen, they would have been like living in Paris and doing something much cooler. It's really like, they wouldn't even be in Pennsylvania anymore. It's how I feel about that. But um, yeah, I think something that I've also noticed about myself too, is that I tend to get frustrated with female characters who aren't particularly assertive. And mm. although I know that it's important to have those characters and like to reflect those journeys, that's something that I tend to have a hard time with, which is why I think Pam bothers me so so much if i if i could jump on that i i would say i would speculate that that frustration may not come from seeing those characters represented in media but the uh the, the laziness that they allow writers to engage in mm-hmm. can be really frustrating like oftentimes a character who is not assertive um, and not clear in their in what they want it's not always about actually the character it's about extending a plot longer or like giving a reason for something not to happen in the show that if it did happen they'd have to do something new Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's part of it, too, is, like, seeing that laziness in writing and, like, how it affects the course of a show by having these characters. Maybe. I do think it's something we see a lot more often with female characters, yeah. too, which is why yeah. I feel particularly sensitive and attuned to it, especially because yeah. I do write for young readers. And I am always, like, really conscious of the way that female characters are portrayed and, like, what are we saying to girls as they develop about, you know, like, what is the right way to be a woman? Yeah. Um, that's something that I'm always really interested in. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And to be fair, I haven't actually watched all of The Office since 2014, and I've had a lot of opinions change since then. Sure. Um, but I have actually started rewatching The Office pretty recently. Oh, so. yeah. really? Yeah. I'll <laughs> jump on the train. Yeah. yeah. So, I'll, I'll be, get back to you. I'll be yeah. curious to hear your thoughts as as they evolve, because I, I kind of, when I watched it originally on air, I I tuned in and out at the end there. Like, the last couple seasons, I didn't watch religiously. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really remember, like, I remembered feelings I had had, but I didn't really remember specific moments or things like that so rewatching it was really interesting to have those things solidified and clarified um so i'll be curious to hear how your thoughts change or don't change as you rewatch i will definitely get back to you on that yeah where did we leave off <laughs> you guys didn't talk about uh, okay amy what have you been yeah. playing uh nothing new really uh the new overwatch event <laughs> uh just got released april 10th 
Uh, it's covering Black Watch and their mission with Moira, Genji, uh, McCree, and Reaper. I thought was pretty cool that we actually get to see their side of things. Yeah. Um, Stephanie, how like how in tune are you with like the cast of Overwatch? I know that Max plays it too. Zero percent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you try to like explain those four characters to Stephanie? Like, give her close notes okay. real quick. Reaper is an edgy, angry man mm-hmm. who wears like a barn owl that also looks like a skull mask. Okay. Okay. Reaper is basically if Twitter became a person. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me phrase that. Reaper is basically if Tumblr became a person. No, I, I, I don't know if if Reaper is Tumblr incarnate. I think no, Tumblr's the edgiest I of think, the social media I think platforms. Diva's more Tumblr reincarnated. Yeah. Oh, t- you know Diva's what? The, you know there are different sides of Tumblr. Yes. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So Reaper's like the edgy, like I listen to My Chemical Romance in Lincoln Park and I shoot things. Reaper is That's... MySpace incarnate. He's he's also old, so you know he is. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, um. he's also old. <laughs> yeah, so so my I know I, I understood the reference. I just thought it was funny. Um, and then Genji is like yeah. a cyborg ninja. Okay. Yeah. Um, and McCree is a cowboy. Oh. <laughs> that that was quick. That's, that was that's, yeah, all, that's all you need to you know. Need yeah. And Moira is this really cool Irish uh, scientist. Nice. Uh, who's yeah. also like kind of evil. And, yeah. And shady. She has yeah. like healing powers, but she also has like life stealing powers. So you just gotta catch her on a good day. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you kind of go through like their mission to find the person they're trying to track down and escape, basically, because Reaper, the edgy one, kind of killed their target and they weren't supposed to do that. Um, So you kind of go through that mission. And last year for this kind of event, we got the good guy side, Overwatch, where you played as, like, the four good guys going through a good guy mission. Um, So it's really cool to see, like, the bad guy version of it. Yeah. But it doesn't Uh, really... Especially because this... This was uh, this was Reaper before he became edgy, right? This was like this was his edgy turning point. I mean, Reaper was always kind of a hard ass about things and like right. very kind of lawful evil about things, I right. guess. Or new- I don't know. I guess he lawful neutral. Lawful. Yeah. Um. So him killing this target is kind of him. Yeah. The subtitle of the event is Reaper on Edge. That's not true. <laughs> I just went with it. Um, so it's cool that we get to see like the the Blackwatch side of things because I know a lot of fans, uh, me especially, are really yeah. interested in the Blackwatch lore and they don't really touch on that too much. But at the same time, like they didn't really introduce anything new about Overwatch lore. Like they just kind of gave us some mm. extra content, not anything kind of expanding on that. So that's a yeah. little disappointing. Yeah, you're you're really invested in in Overwatch's lore. And it seems like they've kind of been spinning their wheels a bit lately and, and not wanting to advance things too much. Yeah, and then them kind of, Michael Chu especially, kind of retconning things. Uh. <laughs> so so there's this dumb meme uh, called Steamed Hams. Yeah, from yeah, The Simpsons. Yeah, uh, like a lot of people have been reenacting that scene from The Simpsons where, uh, where Skinner... Like, let me say, it's not a very good meme. Yeah. As far it's as meme, no. memes go, it's I not yeah. like it. No. Yeah, no, like, the, the base content, I don't see why it's gotten so popular. Like, that's a great episode of The Simpsons, don't get me wrong. Right. But, like, some some people put an absurd amount of effort into their, their remixes of this. Like, some people have, have really put, like, tens of hours yeah. into making their own versions of this meme. <laughs> Uh, Amy and I found one where uh, excuse you. you I found, found one, I found one and I showed and it to Amy. You made me watch it. <laughs> where uh, 
where Michael Chu, uh, the story designer of Overwatch, is presenting new lore to Jeff Kaplan, uh, the the director of Overwatch, and and for that video, uh, they they pasted Michael Chu's head over Seymour. They pasted Jeff Kaplan's head over the uh, over the superintendent, and instead of just having the Simpsons voices go, they spliced in real, like, voice from Michael Chu and real voice from Jeff Kaplan. So, like, they were saying the dialogue from Steamed Hands, but with their own voices. Uh, it was an absurd, just, the amount of, I could feel the amount of hours that were put into this stupid video. So can was, I now. <laughs> your, like, your whole expression as Daniel was saying that was just really great, and I yeah. wish we could have gotten that. But it, like... <laughs> like, Max's facial... I'm not putting this in the episode anyway. <laughs> your, your facial expression was like you were slowly being cyrogenically frozen. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I was, like, inserting the anesthetic, yeah. and you are like, feeling it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's just an example of Overwatch's lore kind of being badly written, and I wish it wasn't. While Max plays Overwatch, I like to watch RuPaul's Drag Race on my iPad. <laughs> which has much better lore I have, I have issues with rupaul as a person me too but Good. i have a lot of like positive feelings about shangela and bendela and a lot of the other queens but rue's done some stuff <laughs> yeah. just the gravitas of which you said that was like i i don't know what stuff rupaul's done but i could i could feel it in that moment next time Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be Stephanie's news update next time. Yeah. <laughs> RuPaul did some stuff. I mean, on one level, I, I it's not an excuse for why the lore is bad, but, like, they never expected that to be the reason people would be invested in Overwatch. So, like, I don't think they ever really thought about putting effort into it. And now that they have to, it's obviously going to be a, a half-assed version of it. Yeah, it just really bothers me that they started out Diva being this StarCraft champion, and she's also kind of like a war veteran doing all of this. And I thought that was really cool. And then Michael Chu's just like, you know what? We actually never specifically said she was a StarCraft champion, which was actually in her description at some point. He just mm-hmm. retconned that for no reason. Yeah. Like, why would you take such a very important aspect of her character and take that away from her? That they've, just bothers me. Yeah, they... As a diva main. They, they've been very inconsistent uh, with with how they've depicted the lore on top of everything else. So this is kind of like how J.K. Rowling keeps being like, actually, there were tons of Jews in Hogwarts. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Exactly. <laughs> sure did. Yeah, that's a great analogy, actually. Yeah, yeah. That, the way... The way J.K. Rowley just sort of makes up new shit and pretends it's been canon the whole time. That is very what the Overwatch team has been yeah. doing. Yeah. Just a bunch of BS, yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. I have also been playing Overwatch. I actually had, until I started playing yesterday again, I had no idea there was an event going on. So it was not related to anything. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just like, oh, you know what I haven't played in a while? I haven't played Overwatch. <laughs> so I started playing again yesterday. And I was pleased to see that they um had brought back somewhat permanently, uh, the capture the flag mode. Yeah, it's cool. But then I discovered that um, the arcade dailies reset at 4 p.m. for some reason. So, like, I was able to play it in the morning. But when I went back to play it at night, it was gone. Oh, no. And I was so mad. Because, <laughs> actually, I think capture the flag is the best mode they've ever made. I think it's better than the base game, personally. I, I really love the way they used to implement capture the flag. Uh, because it made some mo- high-mobility high characters really good. But then they nerfed those heroes by making it so they dropped the flag whenever they use mobility techniques. Oh, really? Like, my, my old strategy uh, in original Capture of the Flag was to play as D.Va, grab the flag, and then just jet forward with her. Now, if you jet forward with D.Va while you're holding the flag, you drop it. 
and that makes it much less fun for yeah, me. Because then why would you? Why would anyone pick Winston? Yeah, the flag, there's yeah. probably a design middle ground that they could have gone with exactly, there. because yeah. like those things were overpowered for for the for the yeah for the event it was fine, but for the yeah. mode to be a sustainable, long lasting mode, yeah. But there probably was a middle ground. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been fun. Uh, I played for a couple hours yesterday, and I dove right back in with Zenyatta, who is my favorite character in the game. And like, I won my first three matches, not necessarily because of me, but it felt great. I mean, like Zenyatta really was like riding a bike. I played. I tried to play with Junkrat afterwards who was like my other main back in the day and died <laughs> non-stop so i just went back to playing with zenyatta and that yeah. went really well max zenyatta was really good back in the day he he saved my ass a lot when we played together i'm not super great at first person shooters in general but i do have like an affinity for zenyatta i don't know why and we get along he and i yeah like same like i'm not really a first person shooter person but diva just like fits me like a like a robot glove i think that's why overwatch has such staying power compared to a lot of other um, games that have tried to emulate it or replicate it is that the characters don't all necessarily feel like super different from each other now that there are so many, but they, they each do have a different true different style. Yeah. And it's hard to play that game and not, and if you try everyone for a reasonable amount of time, not find a character that you can really identify with and really enjoy playing. Yeah. Did you try any of the new characters? Um, I did the Blackwatch thing, so I got to try a little bit of Moira. It obviously wasn't the same, like, killing mobs as it would be killing people. Yeah, she's kind of a mix of Zenyatta and Symmetra. And that was kind of interesting. Um, her beam had a longer range than I thought it would. Yeah. Um, which made her more viable. Um, but I don't know. I, it's hard. I would probably just continue playing Zenyatta when I play that game. I have so That's much fair. fun with him. And so much more fun with him compared to other characters. Yeah, I think the the characters that they add are, are all generally really cool. I I tend to pop in and check out the new character every time they release one, and they've almost all of them have been really really neat. Yeah, um, Brigitte is really cool. Yeah, Brigitte's awesome. I love Sombra when she came out, even though oh, I guess I she's kind of older. Sombra. <laughs> Sombra's just basically Tracer. <laughs> but she hacks. Yeah, but that mechanic has never felt fun for me personally. I know a lot of people like her, yeah. but I don't like Sombra. Sabra makes pretty good hummus. <laughs> this, this is all we got a lot to edit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's staying in. <laughs> the back camp, I think we talked about We talked about everything. talking about kirby yeah yeah i think first everyone should go around and do their impression of kirby's high because i think that would be great audio for the podcast oh, no. hi <laughs> uh, you sound like tingle like a tingle <laughs> hi <laughs> hi oh that's, that's not bad Oh, okay. Oh, I know from Amy. Oh. Hi. <laughs> I can do it that badly. There's no reason for you not no, to try. You sound like John Mulaney in a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone in here. There's someone in here. Oh, <laughs> uh, John Mulaney's the best. So yeah, we all played um, Kirby Star Allies together. Um, just a little bit of an overview of the game. Kirby Star Allies is a platformer that recently came out for the Switch. It's a part of the larger Kirby franchise. Uh, in the game, you play as Kirby, who is a little 
pink ball who floats around maps and can suck up enemies and absorb their powers. Uh, in this game, you also have the ability to like throw your heart at enemies and then they join your team, which makes the game uh, really accessible for multiplayer because um, when you add um, an ally to your team, um, a player can jump in and start controlling that character and use their power. They've also introduced a lot of crossover. So um, when you are Kirby, you can augment certain of your abilities by having your ally attack you with their abilities. And then all of a sudden you have a fire sword instead of just a regular sword. Yeah. Or you can throw them across the map. Um, so there's a lot of cool interplay between the way that the various characters work together in the world. Um, like most Kirby games, it's fairly story light. Um, you're trying to knock these evil hearts out of, um, your old friends, King Dedede and, um, Wispy Woods. Yeah. That's his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and others. And then there's like these other characters you discover who are trying to use the hearts to summon some sort of world eating demon <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but that's basically the game. You just go through these platformer levels. There's of course the requisite underwater levels. Yeah. There are snow levels. There are desert levels. It's kind of like a greatest hits of various platforming tropes. Um, in between levels, you can unlock uh, puzzle pieces that then unlock these these cute little art puzzles in the game. That's kind of one of the modern progression mechanics they put in the game, I would say, like to keep right. you coming back. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't have any relevance to the story. It's just something for you to collect on the side. Um, but that's basically the game. There's not really much to talk about. Like a, like like any Kirby game, it's pretty <laughs> explanation light. Right. Um, so yeah, let's dive in. Yeah, so I think one thing that's interesting is I think everyone at this table has had at least a little bit of Kirby experience yes. before playing right. this game. Uh, probably played the most Kirby I would think in this so. room. I'm a big Kirby head of love. <laughs> <laughs> just my, uh, it's, it's actually a very strange medical condition. My my head is just bulbous and pink, and <laughs> I've got like little arms on the side. And uh, how have I never noticed that? <laughs> That's uh, what made me fall in love. With <laughs> And it's yeah. Angel's mating ritual. That's why I've never seen it. It's like those birds on planet Earth that like yeah. dance around. Yeah. Uh, he shows you his plumage, <laughs> his Kirby plumage. I've, I've been playing Kirby games since like the Super Nintendo days, and my favorites tend to be either Kirby Superstar or Kirby Streamland 3. But I've, I've played so many Kirby games, and I generally just love Kirby games. The formula never really changes too much, but. Right. Don't fix what ain't broke. Yeah. I mean, that's a great lesson for, for video games in general, I yeah. think. How about you, Max? So I missed the uh, Kirby heyday. I think Kirby's Golden Age was probably like the Game Boy era, maybe. Uh, maybe like Super Nintendo. I'd, I'd say Super Nintendo has pretty much all the best Kirby games. Because on top of Super Star Dreamland 3, you also had like Kirby's Dream Course, which is like that Kirby golf game. It's oh, yeah, actually... Yeah. Pretty legit, yeah. So I never owned a Super Nintendo, um, and I didn't even own a Game Boy until somewhat later into its lifespan. So right. I-, I missed the Kirby Golden Age. Um, so my first Kirby game was actually Stephanie's first Kirby game, uh, mm-hmm. which was Kirby's Epic Yarn, which came out for the Wii and was a very adorable uh, Kirby game that, that had a lot of similarities to other Kirby games, but it had um, the aesthetic was was like a yarn yeah. game. It was. It's some of the most beautiful and adorable video game art I think I've ever seen. It's just so well done. Yeah, that had a hell of aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my first time playing Kirby. It's the only other video game we've ever played together, right? I think so. I you made me do some of the uh, mini games <laughs> in the Bachelor video game. I <laughs> didn't want to talk about. That. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, the Bachelor TV show made a video game that came out on Wii that Stephanie owned. And it was horrific uh, in every way. 
its design, its way you played it, uh, everything about it was just a hot bag of garbage nonsense. <laughs> I, I would say playing that game was was kind of like playing a marathon of Mario Party. So like, but only playing the eighth hour of Mario Party when your thumb is already destroyed by the thumbstick, <laughs> and like they've already selected only the worst Mario Party games. That's kind of what playing the Bachelor video game was like. Yeah. But anyway, we played we played Kirby's Epic Yarn together before, and that was really cute. And that was your first Kirby game as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was also the first video game I ever really played. Although, interestingly, and I think that this is really uh, just a case study of, of, of Nintendo, you owned the Wii in our relationship. I did not. Correct. But that was because I got it for fitness. Oh, we fit. Yeah. yeah, I had a we fit that I used to do for like dance cardio and then you could like step on the scale and your little avatar would like get chubbier and look at you sadly. It was kind of it was <laughs> kind of fat shaming. Yeah, um, no, yeah. No, the we fit app was like mean. It yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. I, I got we fit for my mom. Oh no. Uh she she got a we and like yeah, she she stepped on the scale for the first time. The the me avatar just like expanded. Uh-huh. Mom steps off the scale. She never touched that game again. I can't blame her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's so mean. I feel like We Fit had a very uh, Japanese understanding and expectation of body size. Yeah, and they did not translate that or change that when it came to the American market. <laughs> no. And we just we're not built the same way, and we don't eat the same way. And yeah, our bodies don't look like that. Yeah, so I I bought that We to play Just Dance by myself in my apartment um but then we ended up being able to play kirby on it too yeah yeah and amy your kirby experience my kirby experience i don't even know the name of the game but it was on the 3ds and there oh. were like a bunch of not the 3ds sorry the ds uh, oh okay um, but uh I'm, i think there's still new information to me go on and you could wirelessly play some of the games because they were like little mini arcade games i don't think it was like an overlapping story mode huh. um but you could you could play wirelessly with somebody else with the ds so me and my brother would just play kirby together on oh. the ds i don't remember what kirby game that was um it was probably it was probably the mini games in was it kirby squeak squad no uh, <laughs> maybe maybe kirby mass attack Kirby games have great names. So. Kirby tomato salad. <laughs> I, it, I don't know. That like, it's not real, but it could be. All I remember is like Kirby Dream Star or something like that. Like I don't. Hmm. I don't really. Now I really want there to be a Nintendo restaurant and one of the see Kirby tomato <laughs> yeah. salad. Um, the tomatoes are pink and they yeah. just look like Kirby. Yeah. There's also Kirby Superstar Ultra. Maybe? No. Okay. Because there were wireless mini games in that, and you yeah, could, like yeah. that's all I remember is just wireless mini games, and you could play wirelessly with other people. Because that's how me and William played it. Okay, nice. Yeah, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say that was probably Kirby Superstar Ultra. You're gonna lock it in. Do you want to phone a friend? <laughs> like, if I saw the cover art, I could probably tell you. But okay, um, cool. It's I think it's one of the box arts where Kirby actually looks happy on the American cover. Yeah, <laughs> not okay. angry. Actually, you okay. said that, you said that like Kirby had a period where he was like. You know, he was like, he wasn't getting out of bed. <laughs> he was wearing his sweatpants all day long. Uh, uh, there, there's sort of a trope with Kirby box art for a while, where the Japanese version of the box art would have Kirby looking really cute and happy, and then they'd bring it over to the States, and it'd be the same box art, but they gave Kirby a little frowny face. Mm. You'd yeah. think that Kirby would feel pleased coming to America, because we generally look more like him. <laughs> I feel like he would fit in here. Yeah, but apparently he's not happy about that. He, we're, we're cramping his style. Oh, yeah, we're all too Kirby-like. 
But yeah, that was that was my experience. Was just playing a bunch of like Kirby mini games with my little brother uh, on the DS um, and but, Smash, right? And Smash, and Smash. Bros. Oh well, yeah, yeah, and Smash Bros. But uh, then in the more recent past, I I sat <laughs> you down and I played Kirby's Dream Land three with you. Yeah, that was an interesting experience. She doesn't like I, it. I I didn't. <laughs> I don't know what I didn't like about it specifically. It just was not my thing. Yeah, uh, Kirby's Dream Land 3 is uh, it's from the Super Nintendo era, and I think it's probably the game in the series, although I love it, it's probably the game in the series that aged the worst. Mm. Um, to get through it, each stage had sort of a, a puzzle within it that you needed to solve to sort of get like this little heart piece, and they were all kind of obtuse and they were never directly told to you. Like, there's one level you have to go through without stepping on any flowers. And, uh... How are you supposed to guess that? Um, <laughs> well, w- the first time you step on a flower in that level, you get, like, a little brrrr noise. Oh, okay. Right? And, yeah, you'll, you'll get a noise whenever you fail the puzzle, but that's the only indicator you get. And sometimes you can get to the end of a level without necessarily f- failing the puzzle, but you haven't succeeded either, so you still don't get that heart star, star heart. Like, there's one where you need to, like, find someone's friend, like, hidden away in this little level and, like, rescue them or something. Basically, it was very obtuse and not super fun for someone that's never... doesn't already know the answers to those puzzles, I think. And on top of that, the gameplay is was a lot slower than Modern Kirby. It was, and the friends weren't as fun to play as. And Kirby mm. already is, for a platformer, fairly slow. Yeah. Like, Kirby doesn't move quickly, especially when you're floating in the air. He moves very slowly. Yeah. Um, so it's not... Ar- already, it's not a fast platforming game. Yeah. It's and like the opposite of Sonic. Like, yeah. for some, fast <laughs> is a relative term. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. Thank you for keeping me in check on that. Welcome. <laughs> uh, check but, my video game privilege. Uh, but the powers are also much less developed, I think. Really, like, you press the button and you do one thing, and that's all the things you can do with that power. Right. Uh, meanwhile, in Kirby Star Allies, there's a lot more variety with all the characters. And am I hitting some of the points that like sort of made it less fun for yeah, you? Yeah, the more you talk about it, the more I remember just not liking that game. <laughs> and yeah. how pleasantly surprised I was with Star Allies. Yeah, I think I think going from Dreamland Three to Star Allies actually uh, probably made that you a did better. A service, yeah. yeah. So I, there's not really super much to spoil about Kirby, um, so I think we can just dive right in and start yeah. talking about the game. Yeah, although we probably will be talking about the final boss and stuff, so yeah. if, you, if you don't want to be spoiled on sort of the on the story elements of Kirby, um, there's... Light as be, they are. Yeah, yeah. There'll, there'll be timestamps in this episode, but Kirby's a game that's not really too much about the story, and it's, it's more about that gameplay. Yeah, so. I think like to underscore that point, like the main time the game talks about story is in written sections between going to worlds. Yeah. Like, that's that's how the game delivers story, yeah. too. Um, so, yeah, what were everyone's thoughts? So, this being the full first Kirby game I've played all the way through, uh, I had a really good time. I am very picky when it comes to video games because I really need character development and characters being fleshed out and feeling real and having you know like for me it's all about the characters instead of plot and the narrative exactly not the selling points of Kirby no (laughs) not at all and I'm not too much of a platformer person either uh but I had a really good time with Star (laughs) Allies actually like uh I think Playing it alone wouldn't have been as fun. Agreed. Uh, playing it with somebody is really more, I think, the ideal experience. Um, just to kind of 
make it easier instead of having to piggyback on your characters or your friends, I should say. Yeah. Uh, I think the choices of friends were really cool. Yeah. Uh, I loved playing as Dribbles, the water oh, one. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> the water one was my favorite out of like the, the ordinary friends, right? Yeah. And Nesp. Nesp was really cool to oh, play. Yeah. Nesp was very strong. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Nesp was very strong. Nesp was OP. <laughs> yeah. yeah Except for in boss fights, I found that Nesp's attack didn't do as much damage. Really? Amy, Amy practically soloed bosses. Oh, really? As Nesp. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. uh, I was experiences for that. Yeah. Crazy with Nesp, um, especially yeah. with boss battles, because you could just float uh, to an area where the boss wouldn't float, and then you could just bring your ball of electricity over there yeah. uh, and just mess them up. Yeah, she, she would just camp and like nuke that thing. It was crazy. Uh, yeah. Um, and then... <laughs> uh, also, when whenever I would ask Amy if uh, she wanted to play more Kirby Star Allies with me, she would eventually just go, Nesp. As, uh, to say, instead of yes, she would just say Nesp. And I'd be like, what? Is that a yes or a no? Like, Nesp. I would be like, Daniel, Nesp. I'm like, why would that be a no? Well, you always wanted to date a Pokemon. So. <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> We've got to talk about this. <laughs> um, Why do you think he has that statue of Mewtwo showing off his cross? <laughs> Nesp and Dribbles were my go-to. Uh, for Dream Friends, I really liked Marks. Uh, maybe we should explain real quick what Dream Friends are in these games. You can go to this palace in between levels and sort of summon a a special character that's been in past Kirby games. And some of these characters are like sort of staples of the franchise, like Meta Knight and King Dedede. Model D with spear. Yeah, uh, Bandana Model D. Yeah, thank yeah. You. And Marks was uh, was a final boss from Kirby Superstar. And Marks is like this little clown ball yeah. with wings, and he is super dark when it comes to his moveset. <laughs> but I absolutely loved that about him. Like, like you know, when when you press your A button, you get on top of like this little beach ball kind of thing and <laughs> yeah. then you can kick it towards enemies but then if you're flying and you like hold down the a button he splits himself in half and there's like this big giant black hole that sucks nearby enemies in and he yeah. swallows them whole and that's it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> otherwise he's just like this very cute adorable little clown thing and his power set was crazy but also super cool yeah. uh, he ended up being my favorite um and then my other favorite dream friend Who's the other one? Uh, you hated Gooey. I hated Gooey. Why oh, does Gooey? Gooey. <laughs> Why does Gooey exist? He's just a blob with a tongue that's weird. That's so, why Stephanie liked him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so some lore. He uh, he's from Kirby's Dreamland Three, and in that game, you're fighting this thing called Dark Matter. Gooey is a piece of Dark Matter that turned good. No, it's stupid. <laughs> I hated Gooey. It's funny, because actually hearing you talk about the Dream Friends, like, we actually didn't use the Dream Friends all that much. <laughs> no. I basically forgot to go to the palace between worlds. Oh, yeah. So we yeah. Just, oh, no. We used them only when we unlocked the palace, essentially. Yeah, right. yeah. And then we'd have them until they died, or we reset the, you know, opened the game again, because when you close the game, yeah, well, you, you lose, lose all your friends. Well, well, I don't know why we said that in the sink. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so we actually didn't use the Dream Friends all that much. No. We we used them quite a bit. Um, yeah. They're very I really strong. liked Marks. There's, so there's Marks... There's uh, there's Rick Keenan Koo, uh, like a sort of bundle of animal friends from the last uh, from past games, right? Like there's... the hamster, the the owl, the, the fish. Yeah, yeah, and then there's King DDD. Yeah, there's uh, Meta Knight. Meta Knight. There's Bandana, Bandana Waddle Dee. 
And there's a sixth person. Yeah, you Gooey. Completely. You didn't and, mark off Gooey. Yeah, Gooey doesn't count because I don't like him. Well, that's six. Oh, no, that's six. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, we should point out uh, for those who aren't familiar, it's randomly. You, there's like a wheel, and you can stop the wheel, and then you get the the character who you landed on, essentially. Yeah. So you're not choosing. Yeah. Although I, you could probably game it pretty easily. It's not moving very quickly. Yeah, yeah. that's what we did. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to time. Although some sometimes sometimes Amy was feeling un, indecisive and we would just let the the wheel go until it stopped automatically. Every time we did that, it landed on Gooey. It made me so mad. <laughs> wow. Um, we're, we're a team Gooey over here. So. <laughs> yeah. I am so just irrationally filled with hatred towards Gooey. So I just... His, I, I think his tongue was a, like weirded I, her no, out. It's just his design. He just looks terrible. I, uh, he's cute. Yeah, he's no, a little he's goo-ball. Not. No, he's not. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> I could have my own podcast about how much I don't like Gooey. <laughs> you probably have more listeners. <laughs> um but yeah mark's was my favorite so i'd al- i would always do mark uh mark's nesp or dribbles yeah um, but dribbles i think i had the most fun with she loved dribbles i yeah. loved dribbles she, she'd like gasp whenever she saw dribbles on the screen so she could like dribbles or is it dribbly it's dribbly yes yeah, dribbly. is it dribbly okay yeah. um that's just my cool nickname. <laughs> you know, drib- dribble. The best nicknames are when you just change one letter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Dapule. <laughs> I got those daps. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I've been trying to reflect on what makes Kirby so much fun for me when I'm more about characters and character development and kind of establishing relationship with, with the characters that you play with. Mm-hmm. I think just the amount of abilities for me is is fun because you can kind of have a main, like like an Overwatch. Like, that's yeah. kind of the same idea there is that if you get comfortable with one character, like, you can do that one and then you can move on to another one if you want. I think the, right. the flexibility of being able to switch and have different abilities combined was a lot of fun. And then playing multiplayer with people, because like I said, if I was doing it by myself, I probably right. would not have as much fun. Yeah. Um, but playing it with Daniel was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, not only because of our dynamic playing, but just being able to kind of control things and work together to yeah. figure things out and go through the platforms. Yeah, our teamwork was pretty good. We would sort of have a ritual, actually, where we would go to the Dream Palace together and Amy would pick Marks and... Uh, and she would not leave the Dream Palace until I hopped on Marx's shoulders, and then uh, she'd she'd summon Marx's little beach ball, and then he'd roll to the he'd roll to the end of the on the Dream Ball, so we'd just like all be stacked on top of this ball together, like rolling out of the room. Kirby, ten out of ten. Yeah, <laughs> 10 out of 10. game of the yeah. year. And and actually, I think that might be one other reason. Sort of, you've it's been easier for you to take to Kirby Star Allies because all of the characters you can play as in that game all have so much personality. Yeah. Uh, or at yeah. least a lot of them do. Yeah. Yeah, like if... I don't know. I think some of them are boring. Like yes. Like The Rock. R- Rock is kind of a staple. <laughs> He's though. a necessary... I, yeah, exactly. You know, I understand that, and I, I always got that from Smash as well. Mm-hmm. But, like... I don't know. He's a he rock. have a lot yeah. of personality. Yeah. I thought The Rock was a chunk of raw hamburger meat for a very long time. <laughs> You'd be like, what's the raw meat's power? <laughs> if you hit it with the flame power. <laughs> yeah. Burning Leo was my favorite. Um, I love Burning Leo. Dribbly was actually my second favorite. Dribbly nice. was really good. I love the way Kirby looks, like the whole style of the game I find really appealing because it's so cute. Um the thing is, it's 
it's like hard for me to separate out the fact that I am just very bad at video games and I don't play them. Like one of my biggest challenges at the beginning of the game was like I kept pressing A when I meant B and vice versa. Mm. And Max would be like, don't walk into them. They'll hurt you. And I'm like, I'm not trying to walk into them. <laughs> or like I kept dying in a fire because I would accidentally. Well, that happened once. I murdered that bird, that. Max. I murdered him. That only happened once and then you learned. It was really bad. It felt terrible. And like I do, I do like that even if you die, you can still come back in. But then I found myself getting very attached to the ones that I had murdered through incompetence. And that was hard for me. But I think, as is true in most things in your life, you're a lot better at Kirby than you say you are. And you're a lot harder on yourself than you should be. Like, yeah, it was difficult for you. And it took a while to learn the difference between A and B. But once you did, like... You took down bosses without any help of from me many times. Yeah, that, towards the end, in the beginning, I had a really hard time, like, getting out of the way of the boss. Like, I just couldn't do it. And then, mm. like, more like in our second half of playing, I feel like yeah. I figured out how to do that. And oh, then nice. still, I feel like in some ways I didn't understand, like, all of the different attacks I could do. And I wish I had, like, known that better. And maybe we should, we, I should have, like, taken more time to just, like, sit there and figure it out. And while I know you said this was a slow platformer for you, I found it <laughs> yeah. stressful to have to, like, keep going. And I kept getting left behind. <laughs> Luckily, it just, like, zooms you in there and it's okay. Um, Also, in the beginning, I kept getting confused by, like, the two friends the computer is. I was like, who are these people? Which one am I? I don't know. I I got used to that, too. What you're speaking to is, like, there's a little bit of a learning curve when you're doing anything new for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. But you've played a few video games, but not enough for each one to not be its own thing. Yes. But, like, I mean, you definitely, I think you're selling yourself short. Oh. But uh, I, I will say one of the things I think that was when we talked about doing this for the podcast, one of the exciting ideas to me was that uh, having someone on who who isn't much of a video gamer, because the Kirby franchise is generally considered fairly simple yeah. and yeah. fairly easy. Um, this yeah. game is harder than um, Kirby's Epic Yarn, which is a which is a much easier game. I think. Yeah, you uh, can't die in Kirby's Epic Yarn for starters. Right, right. But I do think that if someone is new to video games and wants to play it with someone who is much more comfortable with video games, I think this is a really good yeah. pick because um, because of the mechanic of adding friends. Like even if you accidentally keep killing yourself, like you right. always just come back in as a new friend. Yeah. And so like that that feels very nice and forgiving. Um, and uh, but felt like there was a lot of variety in the different worlds to me and so like i liked exploring that and being able to do different things nice. i think one of the things that they do that that's that's makes it makes it uh good for young gamers or new gamers is that you can't fall off the map only kirby can die by falling off the map yes. yeah. if you fall you just jump right to kirby which is really yeah. helpful. that is key i would say <laughs> i will say one of the things that you were kind of getting to that i think is not an intentional bit of difficulty is the game feels very messy when you're in big boss fights. Yeah. Like the game just feels cluttered. Mm. Um, there's so many things, so many characters happening on screen and like walking into an enemy does damage. And because if you have yourself and the people you're playing with, if you have three allies, the screen just gets very filled up. Yeah. And so the game can feel a little bit hectic and a little bit cluttered, which feels even more, um, out of place because the rest of the game doesn't really feel like that. It's yeah. only a couple times like specific boss fights or if there's a lot of enemies on screen. Yeah. So while it is a simple game comparatively to other games, there are those moments of like, of, of some gaming friction that yeah. still exists, I think. Yeah. And actually, I think it's funny because Kirby games are generally meant to be easy, but during some of the boss fights near the end of the game, there's suddenly like a difficulty spike. Yes. Like those, yeah, some hard. of those endgame bosses are really hard. The final boss is hard. 
Like yeah. straight up hard. Uh, do you mean Void Termina or do you mean... Uh... Which is the one that had multiple phases. Uh, yeah, that's Void Termina. I, I had less trouble with Void Termina, but like... But right before then, like the the guy with the googly eyes, Highness. Highness. Oh yeah, Highness. Yeah. Um, he was he was tough, and all the generals were really hard. I actually think we we generally had an easier time with Highness and the generals, but Void Termina, okay. we got very close to we never we never died, mm. but we got I very died. <laughs> as a unit we never died. Yeah, but we got very close uh, a couple times there with Void Termina. Yeah, that that game that game got deceptively hard sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it really took you off guard. Especially when you're playing as Kirby, um, which I assume, Daniel, did you play as Kirby most of the time? Yeah, yeah, I played as Kirby the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was the dynamic that Stephanie preferred as well for, for our playthrough. Yeah, yeah for obvious reasons. <laughs> but I, I will say the game, uh, when you're Kirby and you lose your power in a boss fight, you suddenly feel very ill-equipped to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Like, and every, every boss, like, they'll, like, drop some stars you can suck up and shoot right. at them. They don't do a lot of damage. Yeah, no, like, you're, you're suddenly much less effective. Right. If you lose your power during a boss fight. And, <laughs> like, even me with, you know, someone that's had a lot of experience with Kirby, I would still accidentally do the thing yeah. where, where, like, the, the star power would, like, fall out of me and, like, oh no, my power! And I'd suck it up, but I'd be mashing the button to suck mm-hmm. it up, so I would spit the power back out <laughs> and hit the enemy with it, and then I wouldn't have a power anymore. Uh, that's also where I felt some of the clutter of the game because there were more than one occasion where like the my power get knocked out of me and I wouldn't realize it until it was until it was gone off screen. Oh, right. Yeah. And I'd just be like, wait, why am I not doing any attacks? Oh and I was like <laughs> I would just float up to a corner and yeah. let Stephanie and the CPUs kill the boss. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, I'm just useless. I'm just gonna go to the corner now. <laughs> That game was uh, surprisingly hectic sometimes. Yeah. A lot of less stuff happening on screen at once. Yeah, it was. And I think that when you are a newer gamer, that can be really hard to process. Because like, mm. I would just forget which one I was all the time. And right. I would be like, why am I not doing something? Then I'd realize I was just in the corner slowly dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that would happen a lot with me and Daniel, too, where I would think I was Kirby or I was another friend. Yeah. Right. And then I'd be getting hit. And I'm like, why is my health super low? Oh, yep. So I wish instead of just having like P1 and P2 above them, like they would do like a faint outline of a color or something. So like, I don't know, just a better way to differentiate who is who because I would get lost so much. And sometimes like I would think I was at the beginning of the screen and right. I was up front, but really I'm in the end. And then I get zoomed back mm-hmm. up to where Kirby is. And I was yeah. very confused. Yeah. And I died a lot. I think Amy now is the one selling herself short because... Uh, I always died and you had to revive me. <laughs> that, that happened... I'd say that happened throughout the whole game less than a dozen times. And that's, That doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of levels in that game. I think that's pretty good. Like, like I, I died like at least that much too, you know? And when I died, when Kirby dies... <laughs> a lot more the, the level, Yeah, when Kirby yeah. dies, the level ends. You always died when we were doing the friend circle, like the boulder thing. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so there's, um, <laughs> there's another mechanic in the game that is also tethered to this idea of playing with friends, yeah. um, although they get less autonomy <laughs> during those times, <laughs> yeah. um, where every now and then you'll be on a platform that has, like, you have to have four friends to be on. And when you do, you get turned into stage-specific uh, friend combinations. So there's one where you turn into, like, all four friends holding hands and feet and turning into a giant wheel that you use to like navigate across the screen and knock over like rocks and stuff. And you can jump and collect stars. Um, there's a bridge you can use where then 
out of nowhere, a Waddle Dee holding a key will show up, and you've got to get the Waddle Dee to a door on the other side so you can unlock it. Yeah, it's more like a little monkey, actually. Yeah, yeah. I guess it yeah. was more like that. Yeah, um, there's one where you go on Kirby's star, and then you can shoot from his star. Yeah, uh, and then there's one where you turn into a train. Yeah, it's the friend train. The friend train. <laughs> so that's the friend mechanic. It comes yeah. up kind of randomly throughout the game. <laughs> yeah. And um, I died a couple times leading the friend train. Yeah, the, the friend train and also the, the friend circle where, where you sort of turn yeah. into a wheel. Uh, sometimes I would miss time to jump and we would die and have to start over. Also, uh, oddly, it took me a couple of runs as the friend train to realize that if you held A, you jumped longer. Oh. For some reason, I didn't learn that right away. And I like... I was like, why am I missing these stars? Why am I missing these puzzle pieces? Why am I falling off this cliff? <laughs> yeah, most of the time, Daniel, you died was when you were you were leading that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's, that's one complaint I have, is that while we're doing the friend uh, mechanic, like, we don't really, as multiplayer, if you're not Kirby, you don't really get to do too much other right. than shoot things. Yeah. And like, that's not fun when you're already barreling through things. Like right. that's kind of a moot point. Yeah. Like Amy sort of had to take the back seat. Yeah. And I imagine Stephanie did as well, like during these segments, because they're especially the friend wheel and, and the friend train, because you can't even shoot anything during those. So right. like the first player is the only one with any control. And I think this actually like, this being a problem really happened at the final boss when uh when you become uh when you become like the superstar or yes, something you can rotate though on the star right and someone else can go to the front but only yeah. one person can fly the star yeah at a time but that's the only one cuz i don't think you can yeah. change who drives the train but you can change who drives the star right that's a good point but it was like like really the the end of the game the fact that i was the only one with really movement control and Amy just sort of got to mash A to, like, contribute shots. And that boss goes on for a while, too. So it's, yeah. like, 7 yeah. to 10 it's minutes. It's, like, 15 minutes of that, really. Yeah. Like, I feel like part of the boss battle, which is supposed to be super cool, yeah. was just kind of robbed for me. Because the whole time I was just button mashing, trying right. to hit the different spots on him. Yeah. And when we did... When we when we went inside him, that was cool because then you could just fight a boss like a normal boss battle. Right, but right. other than that, it's just like okay, I'm on a star and I'm button mashing. This is kind of not fun for me. The second yeah. phase of that boss fight was much more dynamic. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I just liked it because yeah. I could have a break and like get a get some water <laughs> and like relax. <laughs> I think I spent too much of the game like extremely stressed out about messing it up. Like Max kept being like. Why are you so quiet? I was like, I'm focusing with every intense fiber of my being. Um, so I like that I got to take a break during Friend Circle. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I will also say that um, our final boss fight was artificially more tense than it was supposed to be. Yeah. Because we were we beat the last like half of the game really on a plane ride back from Austin, oh. and uh, the boss fight happened as the plane was descending into Chicago. And as the switch was dying, oh. so <laughs> Max was like, "The battery's dying. The battery's dying." I'm like, "I'm trying." Yeah. And, like, and then they're like, "Please put away your large electronic devices." They're like, "Ah!" <laughs> that's, that's so intense. Luckily, we put the switch to sleep and we got it charged enough in time that it didn't die. So when we played it two days later, actually, it was still in the same boss fight moment. We didn't lose any of our progress, but it was like. The boss fight itself was somewhat intense. Right. Like, we were playing on the smaller screen because we were playing on the plane, so we didn't right. have the TV. Yeah. And then, like, all of the artificial environment was so much more intense. Yeah. That's actually amazing. Yeah. And also, like, 
I had to put my tray up at one yeah. point. And, or no, I couldn't like put the kickstand up and angle it right. So at one point yes. it like fell over. So we're like this on top of it. <laughs> I could see like a third of the screen. Yeah. I, I like how your instinct, both of your instincts were just a hunch over the switch instead of pausing the game for a second. Oh, Daniel, you think I know how to pause the game? <laughs> <laughs> you fool. Uh, so, Daniel, I'm, I'm curious um, to hear what some of your favorite powers to use were in the game. Stephanie, did you you, you said Burning Leo, Dribbly, and there was a, one other that you also really liked. Um, I, I Probably the bird was my third Birdon? favorite. Birdon? Even yeah. though I did murder him in the fire. <laughs> Birdon yeah. was cool, yeah. yeah. Uh, hmm. Man, I'm I'm blaming. What what were some of my standbys? Um, you really liked the artist. Oh, yeah. Artist oh the artist was really the, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Vindria or whatever her yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was really the cool. Vindria, yeah. So in addition to the dream friends and the standard enemies, there were these kind of mini mini bosses that you would encounter from time to time. Yeah. And when you defeated them, you could take their power. Uh, yeah. One of them was Vividria, who was an artist. One of them yeah. was a cook. Chef, Chef Kawasaki. Kawasaki. I yeah. liked that because the food went yeah. everywhere. Well, <laughs> yeah, what's funny is that in in past Kirby games, uh, the chef has been a boss but could not be your friend. Oh. Uh, like, because the chef power, when Kirby has it, is just a one-time use power. Right. For Kirby Star Allies, they, they made it so Chef Kawasaki could be a friend, and his one-hit kill power was, like, on a cooldown, basically. And uh, that that was really cool to see. So I actually liked Chef Kawasaki a lot. Yeah, like, oh, he, he can hang out with you now. That also... he's, he's good enough to hang out with us. It <laughs> also sounds like you're giving someone like a pro tip on their first day at working at a restaurant. Like the <laughs> chef is a boss and he cannot be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> so who else did you say so you... Um, the yo-yo power has always been a favorite of mine. Uh, that debuted in Kirby Superstar and has always been a lot of fun to use. The ESP power, the the one Nesp, that Nesp has, yeah. was really cool. But generally, I let I let Amy do that because she uh, she took to that like like an otter to water. Um, um I don't like that. <laughs> Otters love water. Yeah, I'm, for for once, I'm not calling you a furry this time. For once, <laughs> for once. Uh, the staff power was my favorite. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Jibber jab, jib jab, jib jab. Yeah, J- Jamba Jab, maybe? Yeah, Jamba Jab. Yeah. Jam- Something with Jim Jim Jones. <laughs> Jamba Juice. Jimber Jam. Jimmy Jorberson. <laughs> owner of Jamba Juice. Yeah. yeah. The staff power is really cool, but it was the most cool when you combined it with uh, Nesp's electricity. Yeah. Because then, then it became the Zap Staff, and you would just swing it, and electricity would yeah. come down from the sky. And uh, yeah, Amy and I just, we combined those two characters, and we were monsters. We would mow the field. Yeah. It was really satisfying, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I also really liked it when Amy would be the, the hamster dream friend. She'd be Rick Kine and Koo, uh, because they, they were from one of my favorite games in the Kirby franchise. But uh, she only did that once. <laughs> It wasn't fun. Their, their, <laughs> their abilities weren't as cool. Like, I, they were the first friend that I tried. Yeah. Uh, and I just did not have a good time with them. Well, that's fair. Max, what were your favorite powers? My, yeah. My favorite power um, definitely was Suplex. Yeah! I loved Suplex. It was so much fun. Um, suplex is the power you got from beating the Scarab mini boss. Yeah. Um, and you could, just by hitting B, you would, like, fly across the screen. Yeah. And the first enemy you landed on, you would just one-hit kill. And, like, as long as it wasn't a boss, obviously. Yeah. And, like, a suplex attack. You could also, like, jump on people's heads and, like, kick them with your feet. Yeah. Um, and then you could also, your combination power was that you could throw your friends across the screen. Yeah. And they would destroy certain um, stage elements or they would kill enemies. 
And I suplexed every time I got it. I was like, yes. It's so, <laughs> yeah. it's so satisfying. Yeah, it turned into like a really fun grappler character. It was yeah. a lot of fun. It, yeah. was, it was awesome. That was definitely my favorite. I also liked um, a handful of others. Um, I liked the Yo-Yo Power. Uh, it's classic Kirby, and it's also just strong and fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nest was very strong, but... Anytime I got to be suplex, I would be suplex. Nice. Though I think the the best power of the game was probably the artist. It's not yeah. super strong in attacking, but the fact that you could summer, summon food at any time to yeah. heal yourself yeah. was very strong. <laughs> One thing I appreciated about the combinations combinations as we're talking about them is they were also used to cert, to um, to solve context puzzles in the game. Yeah, um, yeah, which was really neat. So like sometimes there'd be like a stack of TNT barrels, and the wick would be hidden. And you would need to like combine the staff with the firepower so that you yeah. could reach the thing and then blow the thing up. And then yeah, that yeah. would unlock puzzle pieces or something for you. Yeah. And there were a few that were actually kind of like tricky to solve. There were a few that we actually we still haven't solved because mm-hmm. like we just wanted to move on with our day. Um, <laughs> but they were all really neat, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really liked puzzle solving friend combination stuff. That was That was all really neat, yeah. And it's, it's really cute that you have to press the up button and then the computers are like, oh, I also have to do that. Ding! And then <laughs> yeah. they put their hands up. Yeah, I, I love when you hold the up button. Like, every character just has an animation where they just, like, hold, like, you know, they hold their arm up and they're like, hey! Like, <laughs> right. they all look super cute when they do that. Yeah, uh, but it sucks when they don't catch on to it. Yeah. Sometimes there's a bit of a delay. Yeah. yeah. Some of the animations that the characters would do, like, as they held their hands up, like, and you would actually, like like gasp or squeal or make noises because they were so cute like uh like when dribbly like just like you know put just put his head like towards the screen like did this little smile and he was like "Ah!" i think this is a good opportunity (laughs) to kind of like dive deeper into the question of presentation we've definitely nibbled around that corner a little bit and like good good nibbles we all agree that it's a really pretty and cute game as we we nibble on kirby's (laughs) round edges but um (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what, let's talk about presentation a little bit deeper. What do we think yeah. about the way the game looked, the way the game sounded? The um, music was amazing. Ah, uh, the music was really good. Was was kind of funny about Sturby, Sturby Car Allies. <laughs> it's a NASCAR game. What's <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny about Kirby Star Allies is that I recognize most of its music. I feel like a good 85% of its music is just remixes of music from past Kirby games. But all those, first of all, a lot of the bass music they used for it was already good. Right. And almost all the remixes that they made were so good. They were such good remixes. They they made those tunes sound so fresh. And sometimes I didn't even realize that they were remixes because they were such different arrangements. That's cool. Yeah, that it was great. And I really, I also still really loved all the original tunes. Like I think the the music for the Three Generals, Void Terminus theme, those were all brand new tunes and they were all really cool. As somebody who isn't familiar with the Kirby franchise and not realizing that they're remixes, they kind of give a modern spin to it, which makes it sound more like it's adjusting to the time of this kind of video game. And I really appreciated that. Like there's, uh, especially when you go to the, the, the main menu, it'll have the theme playing. And then when you hit start, It'll change, it'll be the same theme, but a different arrangement of uh, instruments. So yeah. sometimes it'll be classical guitar, other times it's violin, other times it's piano. And I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, God, that was actually, <laughs> that was actually low-key one of my favorite parts of the game. When you, when you start at the main menu, right, like, at the file select screen, like, you'd get, like, this really bombastic, like, da 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 bam 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 But then, uh, but then you'd click over to the mode select, and then it would suddenly turn more mellow, 
uh, but be the exact same song, just playing at the same rate, I would actually just swap between the two screens <laughs> uh, constantly to like yeah. make the music change and sort of make my own remix. That sounds of, like something you would do. Yeah, um, I I probably did that. Did every that, time we started up. He did yeah. that every time, um, which was fine for me, because that gave me time to get situated. Um, <laughs> but another thing I really appreciate about the music is uh, when you're going underwater in the game, it sounds like the music is also underwater. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a nice touch. And then I think my favorite theme was probably the cello theme that plays as you're on the last world. That was the coolest Ooh, yeah. uh, no, that, composition. That got, yeah, that got me pumped. There was too much happening when we played the final boss. I don't remember. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the, fair. The yeah, plane like... going down and yeah, <laughs> the um, switch dying. I think the game has some superb sound design. You know, like they they really contextualize the the sounds and the music depending on where you are so well. You know, like if you're doing it in a cave, I think there's even like an echo to some of your attacks and stuff. Like everything just fit what you were doing and sometimes I didn't even notice the changes because they felt so natural. Yeah. I think they did a great job uh, with that part of the presentation especially. Stephanie, I'm curious, as someone who played um, uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn and, and this game, they're, they're obviously very different aesthetics, but mm-hmm. I'm curious to hear your uh, take on the on how this game looked in comparison to Kirby's Epic Yarn. Yeah, they're both really cute. <laughs> like really, what it is, yeah, you know. Good answer. Um, I think that the Epic Yarn, it's just really special. Like it's, there's something that's very different and very creative about that. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that should take away from how adorable Star Allies is because it's it's really really cute, and I just liked being in the worlds. Yeah. I think one of the things that Kirby's Epic Yarn did so well was it wasn't just an aesthetic. Like there were so many things about the game that were informed by all the characters and set pieces being made out of the yarn and like yeah. you pull on something and something else would pop up and yeah, there were yeah. buttons that would do things. So they definitely integrated that aesthetic really well into that game. Yeah. And I think Kirby Star Allies is much more of a standard video game right. yeah. instead of sort of a showcase of that yarn aesthetic. I could see if someone were to say that some of the magic were to kind of be taken away there, but I, I think I think Kirby Star Allies still has a really fun identity and still manages to be really fun and cute looking. Oh, and that opening animation that like plays when you start the game, so cute. <laughs> I don't remember it. So cute, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's just like a like a really well animated cartoon that just like shows like Kirby throwing a heart at one of his new friends, and then that guy like you know like it shows little hearts and in, in that new friend's eyes, and then they like. Uh, run around together and get more friends and then it just ends with like just a pile of friends like throwing Kirby up into the air is like <laughs> like like they're celebrating something oh my god it like it's so cute and that, well that's kind of Kirby's hallmark throughout the years is is yeah a very cute character that has actually good underlying gameplay yeah it's yeah. not just an aesthetic question it's it's there's actual meat behind the Kirby games. Maybe not as much meat as you know Legend of Zelda or Mario, but yeah. there's definitely none enough of, there to bring gamers back. Yeah, and none of that meat being raw, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> right, no, that's actually a rock. <laughs> <laughs> I will say one of the things that kind of disappointed me about this game when it comes to presentation was I thought that there were too many load screens for mm. what the game was loading, especially like anytime you go from one part of a level to another part of a level, there is a loading screen that pops up. Yeah, it's not particularly long. But right. it felt a little antiquated to me that a game in this era, and the Switch is obviously less powered than the PlayStation 4 or the Xbox One or a PC, but it still felt a little bit out of place to me that a game would need to have a load screen between these levels that had any length of time. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because uh, I noticed that every now and then, but I think in general I actually barely noticed when there was a load screen because they were so short. 
the the times that I recognized the load screens were like when you were booting up the world for the first time. Sure. Because that was like a big long, that was one. A long one. Yeah. But like between rooms, like I am kind of recalling like, you know, like the screen like sort of turning just pink with the stars for a second. Those were also minor that like by the time like I f- I had finished like saying something to Amy like in between rooms, like it had already s- finished loading. So I barely noticed. What about you? I'm actually with Max on this one. Okay. Um, it did feel a little bit longer than it should have yeah. been. Okay. Because I actually had time to check my phone in between levels. Like, mm. if you notice, I did that constantly. Yeah, yeah. Because I was waiting. If it was just, like, a one-second thing, then, you know, it wouldn't have been as noticeable for me. But mm. it was very odd. It just, yeah. like, I'm not sure what the game was taking that time to load. That right. it couldn't have preloaded for each level when you enter it the first time. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Nintendo's a very big company, but they've shown that they're capable of, like, loading large portions of data in advance. In Xenoblade Chronicles 2, uh, you get plunked onto these gigantic maps, and you can you can traverse, like, these entire giant beasts from, like, head to tail without ever seeing a loading screen. And they, they compromise that by, like, giving you a lot of load time whenever you jump onto a new monster, but they, like, load that all in advance so you don't have to deal with load screens for, like, the rest of that there's that experience. Like, you can be in the field and then walk into a town in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 with no load time. And Breath of the Wild also is a completely... Yes, yes, uh, yeah. ...a loadless open-world game that's massive. Yeah. And I, I think, actually, it's funny, Monolith Soft worked on both of those games. Yeah. So I think, really, they're the kings of, like, managing, like, load times. And maybe HAL Laboratory, the guys that make Kirby, <laughs> have a little more to learn about that. Especially since this is... Like, they're more used to dealing with, like handheld games right kirby star allies on the switch is their first console kirby game since return to dreamland on the wii and i don't know how the load screens were there but as a side note i learned what why they're named hal recently and i never knew each letter is one letter better than ibm oh 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 that's right that's right yeah uh yeah it's it's certainly not like a the loading screens are not a big deal like stephanie do you even feel like you notice them no yeah, okay. they're not a big deal. It's just in this day and age, it's a, it's a surprise to me that a game would have that many loading screens. Yeah. So I think one other thing I wanted to talk about, um, in addition to everything we've already discussed, is some of the post-game content. So the game has four mini-games. Yeah. Um, two that you start the game with, yeah. and then two that you unlock after you beat the game. Yeah. There's a boss rush mode. There's also kind of like a stage rush mode where you can be any character you want and you do the stages yeah. Uh, without Kirby. You can't be Kirby in that one. Right, you can only be the friends. And those are fine, but I don't think they're worth talking about necessarily. But the two game, too many games you start the game with are, are kind of interesting. Right. Um, there's one that's essentially like a baseball mini game, and then one where you're chopping down trees. Yeah, yeah. And I know personally, Stephanie and I really liked the baseball one, and we actually did it a couple times. Yeah. Um, we beat each level of it. Nice. Um, but I don't think we did the tree chopping one quite as much. We yeah. Weren't- super into that guy uh yeah the the tree one was not as good i would say yeah. uh like <laughs> yeah i i was i was able to get into a rhythm where i was chopping down the tree really fast but it actually bugged me that it it seemed impossible to cut down the whole tree right you got a reward you, you build your house if you get first place but if the other three players aren't as good then like you build an entire house whether you chop down 10 yards of wood or 100 yards of wood uh so, like, I don't know, it, it felt... I wasn't very satisfied with the with the wood chopping game. How about you, Amy? 
Um, well, remember, it took me three tries to actually understand the mini game. <laughs> right. Because yeah. we played it the first time, and I'm like, wait, what am I doing? What yeah. am I doing? Yeah. And Daniel's like, oh, you just he's trying to explain to me as he's doing the mini game, which we all know is not going <laughs> Multitasking down. is not Daniel Strong suit. <laughs> no. So he's like, you just chop! And I'm like... <laughs> How, how do i chop do i do i move with the analog stick do i move with the buttons like yeah. they have a tutorial option but i don't think we did it for the wood chopping well, and the tutorial is just it's not a gameplay tutorial it just tells you what to do yeah which yes. isn't really all that helpful yeah um i also thought that for the wood chopping one um it, when you try to move back and forth to avoid the the obstacles yeah it, there's always a delay and I couldn't figure out the timing of the delay. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it was tough. The the little baseball mini game was oh God, so good. Yeah, it was yeah, was very was cute fun. and fun though. Yeah, Amy and I also beat every level. I think. Yeah, we yeah, did. I it. think yeah. specifically Stephen, you got really good at that one at one point. Yeah, I like that one. That was fun. Yeah, I it would have been cool if they had. Um, after you beat the game, if you had unlocked other characters you could play as. Oh, yeah. That'd like, be if you've cool. been able to do it as King Dedede, or if you've been able to do it as Marks. Yeah. Like, that would have been a neat little thing to add, to, to add in there. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, they All the minigame stuff, especially the two we, we talked about in length, I think kind of feel like afterthoughts. Like, obviously... Yes. Obviously, the least development time went into those games. Right. And I think that's... I think that's fine. It's kind of funny... Because ever since Superstar, the main adventure is always bundled with a lot of mini games. I think Hal Laboratory sort of feels an obligation to bundle those mini games in every new Kirby game, even <laughs> even if they don't feel like it or if they're not very inspired with what mini games they include. And I sort of got that feeling with those two mini games yeah. actually that they like that they thought about it for ten seconds and then made some very basic gameplay. I I like them aesthetically though, and I I like their concepts and I think they're cute. Yeah, and they were nice changes of pace every now and then. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's why it's kind of cool that every pretty much every Kirby game gets at least a couple mini games yeah. like that. Yeah. So, any other thoughts on the table for Kirby Star Allies? I want to talk about the bosses for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the bosses the the beginning bosses were pretty cool. Um. I do like the things that they do with them. I like that the the fox and the raccoon are two bosses in one, basically. I think that's pretty cool for uh, the multiplayer aspect, because you can have like two of your teammates focus on one of them, and then your other two focus on the other one. But I think the generals were really cool and very underrated. Like, yeah. They had really cool personalities. There's a cool dynamic going on between all three of them, trying to kind of defend each other's honor yeah. and have different movesets and everything. And then what happens to them? <laughs> they, they die, and then the Highness resurrects them. Like, he, like, necromances them, and uh, then uses them as puppets, and then sacrifices them. And then we don't see them again. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I do kind of wonder if maybe if we were to 100% the game, we'd get a little more content involving those generals. Because at the end of the final boss... At one point, you sort of eject those four characters right. uh, that had been sucked into Void Termina's body. At one point, they just like shoot out of Void Termina's body and they're alive again. And then you never see them from that point forward. So I wonder if 100%ing it like makes them sort of reappear and have like a little epilogue. That's an interesting thought. I don't know how you 100% the game because we both beat the story yeah, and we're right. at like 73 to 75%. Uh, probably getting all of the puzzle pieces. The, the, the rainbow? The yeah, rainbow puzzle yeah, pieces. Yeah, all, all the rainbow puzzle pieces. Yeah, that's what I bet. And if if they wanted to be jerks, maybe possibly completing all those side puzzles uh, that make the art. There's a lot of yeah. those. Yeah, yeah. No, that that would be that would be uh, bad of them if they did that. But I don't know the answer to that, actually. Yeah, like, my biggest problem with Kirby Star Allies was I got very invested in these bosses. 
Like, there's this really weird, cool side plot going on where they're trying to bring Void Termina yeah. back. <laughs> and then we, we learn nothing about them. They just show up once and then they disappear. And that makes me really sad because I really did enjoy yeah. the generals and their personality. Yeah. And Highness was creepy. <laughs> like, like, as I said before, Highness scares me more than Void uh, Termina does yeah. like that reveal where he takes off his hood and he's just this he's crazy just, moose thing. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's got like a <laughs> weird like muppet face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, like his. I don't know. I guess his movements plus his design really creep me out, and the yeah. fact that he's so invested in bringing these uh, generals as a sacrifice to bring Void Termina back. Like, yeah. why does why does why does Highness want to do that? Also, another cheap shot. I think the video game did. Was when Highness is kind of rambling, it goes too fast for you to read it. I hate that. Why would you do that? Why would you do that to me? Why would you have him spew like all of this really important stuff and then have no way for us to be able to read it unless yeah. you like go on YouTube, watch somebody play it? Right. I, I think one thing that's kind of funny about Kirby games is that they always care less about their story than we do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so upset about that though. It's like Overwatch. I'm interested in the lore. Give me yeah. my lore, damn it. Like, uh, it's so frustrating. I one thing, one little thing that I liked about Highness actually is that like when you see him, he's initially this very mysterious figure in robes, and then he starts talking, and you just hear like this. There's no real voice acting, but every character you sort of like, sort of hear like a bit of a voice behind them, and you can mm-hmm. sort of like place the tone of their voice. You know, just like a bop, 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 like right, um, like like with Undertale. Yeah, yes, exactly. Undertale's a great example. Sort of like you hear Sansa's laugh whenever he does dialogue. There's something similar to that. With whenever Kirby Star Allies characters talk, so you see this mysterious road figure, sort of like this this priestly figure, and then he starts talking, and you hear like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> which which of course starts to make more sense as he shows his hideous Muppet right. head, and he turns out he's really secretly this very goofy character. Uh, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for that trope, actually. Yeah. The the shadowy figure. Turns out to be a character that you just cannot take seriously. <laughs> you can't take seriously. <laughs> I can take seriously. He was creepy. No. I don't. I don't know. Like what about Highness creeps me out so much? But I think it's just his movements. Yeah, and like the way that he's so crazy and like devoted to this, and the fact that he just necromances three bosses. <laughs> he he is kind of surprisingly unsettling. Yeah, yeah. and like there's a lot of deep dark stuff that happens in these boss battles and in the story like what is jam bastion what is this world <laughs> we learn nothing about it and it's so frustrating what have you done daniel i'm, I'm sorry <laughs> i'm so upset why did you make me play this <laughs> uh K- kirby can wear a chef's hat <laughs> great <laughs> you're sold yeah like, <laughs> It just leaves me wanting more with with the lore, and that kind of is my biggest takeaway. Is that's fair? Some Kirby games actually do uh, take their story more seriously and have like a lot of cool story elements to them. Kirby Superstar is actually something that does that, although uh, they they show more than they tell, and there's not a lot of dialogue, but there is a lot of like stuff you can sort of discern from what happens in that story. Like uh, like for example, March who ends up being the final boss. You sort of see him. You sort of see him at the beginning of Milky Way Wishes, and he. uh, you know, he's just like a little clown with a ball that you sort of help out, like do a very small thing. And then like, and then over time he becomes this like really menacing final boss that just fills the whole screen. There's sort of little hints as to like how his transformation, how his menacing transformation happened. It's neat. Yeah, but we don't get that in this game. And yeah, it's, no, it's not very, really. You know, like it's a really fun game overall. Like I had a really good time. I yeah. just, 
have that empty feeling of of it not being filled, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think especially modern Kirby games, the, the general philosophy behind those uh, from the developer's perspective is that the story doesn't matter too much. So they they just sort of are very tongue-in-cheek about it, and they just like, it's like, oh, look, we're making fun of, of sort of this big epic story. We're not actually going to invest too much in it. So here you go. Kirby. And I think platformers in general don't often take the time to craft deep yeah. and interesting stories. Yeah. Kirby developers, if you're listening, meet me in the pit. We will What's fight the pit? the pit. They'll know. Oh, they'll know. <laughs> they'll know. Yeah. The Kirby pit. Yes. It's the pit of old dead Kirby's. Yeah, and we're going oh, to fight on those, <laughs> on those dead Kirby's and be like, I care. Damn it. So, <laughs> so as we wrap our discussion on uh, Kirby Star Allies, um, I'd like to go around and get everyone's final thoughts. I think for me, one thing that we haven't talked about in the podcast yet is that Stephanie is pregnant and we are expecting our first child. Yeah. And Kirby Star Allies, I view it with that new expectant lens that I've never had before with video games. And like, I've read, I'm sorry, Stephanie, I I know this is maybe going to make you feel singled out, but I've read a lot of things on Reddit of people talking about their four-year-old children playing through Kirby Star Allies for the first time <laughs> and, and beating it by themselves. <laughs> I, I also saw that. Oh, and, I see that yeah. It makes me very, very excited for this thing that's happening in my near future, that games like this are still being made. Like yeah. games that are not difficult when you think of the totality of the video game experience, but have deep um, systems in them and are interesting games and have a f- kid-friendly aesthetic, but they're not kid games. Yeah. Um, it makes me very excited. So I, you know, f- four years from now, will, will my kid be playing Kirby Star Allies? Maybe they'll be playing something else. Maybe it won't be exactly Kirby Star Allies. But maybe it'll but, be HAL Laboratory's newest game. Right. But yeah. it just, it more represents this thing that I've never really considered before because I haven't had the space or the reason to. And um, that was really what I was thinking about most of the time when I was playing through this game. And hmm. that is, uh, it's a really exciting new adventure for yeah. Kirby and for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. How, how very I su- gooey. Yeah. How, like, how am I supposed to, to follow up that really, like, sentimental take when I'm just like, I like Kirby. He's pink. He has a good time. He's really cute. Uh, thank you, Daniel, for your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> I, uh, nah, I, I played a lot of Kirby at this point. But I think Kirby Star Allies is still a great Kirby game on its own. And this was the first time I got to play through a Kirby game with my girlfriend. Like, all the way through. and A classic mark in a relationship. You know, <laughs> first Kirby game. Very important. Uh, and I know we... I had a really good time playing through with her, you know? And uh, getting to sort of do the whole multiplayer Kirby thing. It just uh, it just makes the experience that much more enjoyable and and uh we had a lot of laughs when we played and it was uh a really really cool bonding experience to uh, show a series that i'm so fond of to my lady and uh nah to uh to to my my smooch friend (laughs) (laughs) and uh and have her enjoy it so much at least from my perspective that was gross (laughs) (laughs) No, it was a lot of fun playing it with Daniel. Um, that definitely made the experience probably ten times better. As my first Kirby game, really good first Kirby game, very good first experience, I had a freaking blast. Um, <laughs> really good aesthetic, really good music, really good characters and gameplay. Uh, 
just missing a little bit on the lore, but that's okay because I think the gameplay and the amount of fun I had with it definitely made up for all of that. I would say that if you don't play a lot of video games, I think Kirby Star Allies is kind of a perfect one to start out with. Um, the way that different characters interact with the world differently in all of their um, all of their ways, I found really fun and super engaging. Um, and something that I have just had trouble with in video games in the past is like mostly with watching people play video games is it feels boring. But mm. I think that being able to always be a different character if you want to, and having the amount of choice to be like, oh, I like this character, but I don't have to be him for the whole time being able to mix it up i think that's really fun um the game is not as long as i thought it was going to be for a while we were just like around 30 percent, and i was like oh god what uh, yeah. <laughs> um and then like all of a sudden it was over so like it's yeah. definitely achievable it's definitely doable something you could do and i want to do a shout out to max for being so um like patient <laughs> and um really nice because i think that one of the reasons I have not played a lot of video games is I have a lot of really negative experiences of playing them um, with male friends or with guys I've dated who would just make fun of me or just consistently murder my character. Um, <laughs> and, uh, or just be like, it's not worth teaching you. You're like, you're too slow. Um, and I think that's something that is like a barrier to entry for a lot of people with video games is because they've had experience where they felt judged or like they couldn't keep up. Gamers are awful. Yeah. Yeah. But you can you can be a Kirby friend. You can't keep up. Even if you're scared, you should give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think I want to leave the Kirby conversation there. Personally, Stephanie, thank you for being on our podcast. Thank you for uh, for playing through that game with me. It was it was a lot of fun, and it brought back a lot of the fun memories of playing Kirby's Epic Yarn earlier in our relationship. And it was a really great time. So thank you for sharing your thoughts, and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Max. Bye. now i get to say thank you to my star ally who's still here with us on the other side of our interstitial music uh, thank you, Amy, for, for joining us again and for giving your awesome Kirby Star Ally thoughts and for playing through the game with me, even though we had sort of a rough first Kirby experience for, <laughs> for giving that another shot. And uh, I had a really good time, so I'm glad that you did too. So you're still here with us because now you, our guest, get to recommend a game for me and Max to play through and discuss on our next episode of Play This. Aw, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for always dealing with me playing as Marks and piggybacking me <laughs> uh, before we left the room because I would get so upset if you left. Yeah. So, thank you. Also, Amy, is your hair currently pink because of Kirby? You got me. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tried bleaching it oh, okay. uh, to make it purple, but it didn't work. Yeah. Well, it looks very Kirby. Thank you. And I actually really love her hair like this. It looks awesome. She looks like cotton candy. So anyways, <laughs> <laughs> there's no great segue out of that one. <laughs> nope. um, so the game I'm going to recommend to both of you is Life is Strange. I started playing Life is Strange in 2015. I was playing it in a time of my life where things were really hard and I was dealing with a lot of things. I watched somebody play episode one on YouTube, decided I wanted to play it for myself, did it that way got so immersed in the story 
Uh, had a couple criticisms, but overall really enjoyed the type of game it was. It's a kind of where your choices matter. It's an adventure game. It's it's just really important, I think, and did a lot of new, interesting things that I think you two would really enjoy, mm-hmm. especially with your recent playthroughs of Firewatch. So I think I would really like to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions on Life is Strange, what you liked about it, what you don't like about it. Uh, there's five episodes in total. I think you guys would like it. Cool. And uh, and there's some games where we sort of play a chunk of it and you know realize that that's probably enough to get a full opinion of the game. Do you think that we should probably play through the entirety of Life is Strange uh, to really get the whole experience? Yes. If you could, I think playing the entirety would really make a difference in your opinions of the game. Uh, however, I think if that would be a little too long, because I don't remember how long like it roughly will... 20 hours, isn't it? Yeah, it's like 20 yeah, hours. Yeah, definitely, definitely doable That's in two doable. weeks, yeah. Yeah. Um... I liked it Persona 5 once. <laughs> <laughs> True, you you blazed through that. Yeah. With, with Life is Strange, I think the turning point that you would really need to play to understand and get a lot of your opinions formed is after episode two. Um, Because I think that's when you realize that your choices really do matter in this game. It's not one of those, like, Telltale experiences. Yeah, like, it's not like, oh, you do this, but in the end, this happens no matter what. Like, your choices really do make an impact on the game, which I really like about it. I think that's a really nice mechanic. Um, And I would like to see your thoughts on doing really small actions and having that little notification pop up that's like, this action will have consequences. (laughs) So well, yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm excited to play through this game because, um, as Daniel well knows, fallacy of choice in video games is one of my largest pet peeves. Yes, yeah, it's one of the things that drives me the craziest. So I'm really excited to um, to play another kind of adventure visual novel kind of crossover game because uh, I think that's a really exciting genre. I don't yeah. really know why I haven't played Life is Strange yet because I've heard mm. really good things about it. Well, hey, we get to recommend it now, so guess yeah. it's good that you no, have so it. I, I appreciate having the forced opportunity to play it. Um, I'm actually excited to to dive into that. Yeah, I actually played through like the first half hour of the first episode of Life is Strange. Uh, you know, stuff came up, so we I I never got around to playing the rest of it. Uh, my initial impression was that it was kind of a slow burn, but uh, but Amy's Amy's love for this game sort of gives me confidence that it's it's a slow burn worth getting through. And it pays off, so I'm I'm excited to have that opportunity. And you're a big Ashley Birch fan, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's uh, she's cool. I I've been we've actually already made reference to Hey Ash, what you play in like on this podcast. <laughs> well, it was a very formative time for you. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, nah, and she's she's on all sorts of cool stuff. So I'm interested to hear her performance in Life is Strange, which is super critically acclaimed, if I'm hearing right. Right, I. I know Ashley Birch from Hey Ash, What You Playing, but also as her, her voice as Rize in the Persona Dancing All Night series, which wasn't a very good introduction to her <laughs> as no, a voice actress. No, she she just does her best to do a Laura Bailey impression, and it doesn't uh. it doesn't work out. However, her as Chloe is really, really good. Um, I think that some of the things they do in Life is Strange encaptures kind of teenage life and years really well. Uh, the dialogue is interesting, so I'd like to see what you guys think of that yeah um, nice but it it is a very important game and does really cool things so i would like to see what you guys think well i'd say that we're on a pretty good string of voice acting recently we had firewatch yeah we had kirby as kirby <laughs> and now we get life is strange oh so. my god actually the one thing i forgot to mention about kirby star allies uh 
Is Rich Summer plays Kirby? No, is is the thing. One of the things I love the most is just the sequence of the final boss, where like you're sh- you're mashing the button <laughs> to shoot that giant laser at Void Termina, right, right. and Kirby's just screaming the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, like, like just this really intense Kirby yell that I never really thought that Kirby would have that range in his voice. I I lost it. It was very funny. And also very funny, the story to Life is Strange, which we'll be experiencing soon. <laughs> yes, Hilarious! Funny, and you might also feel a lot of emotions, yeah, so yeah. prepare yourself. All right. Well, that'll be uh, next time on Play This, and Daniel and I are excited to dive into our thoughts on Life is Strange. And uh, thank you once again to our guest star allies, uh, Stephanie and Amy, for joining us to talk about Kirby Star Allies. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, as always, if you have any thoughts you want to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at PlayThisPodcast. Um, you can also email us uh, feedback at PlayThisPodcast.com. We'd love to receive your thoughts on Kirby Star Allies or Life is Strange or um, any of the other things we covered on the podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you haven't heard Daniel talk about Kirby enough yet, you can listen to his other podcast. Daniel, tell him what that's about. I host... Another podcast with my good friend, Sean. How dare you? (laughs) Called A Smashing Theory, where we sort of predict what the roster for the next Smash Bros. game is going to be like on Nintendo Switch. And coincidentally, last episode, we talked about the Kirby franchise, along with Kid Icarus. We actually used Star Allies a lot to sort of come up with a lot of our theories. So uh, There's a lot of content in Star Allies that could find its way in... In uh, in the new Smash game, you talked a lot about yeah. the music and how much that, how good that was. And yeah, yeah. Kirby has a whole host of new powers to to reach from now. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Amy's favorite marks appear so prominently in Kirby Star Allies that we actually discuss uh, his potential for being a Smash Bros. character. Uh, a lot of really fun discussion, I think. So check it out. That is uh, a Smashing Theory, and you can find it on all of your favorite podcast places, just like you can find this on all of your favorite podcast places. Yeah. So feel free to to subscribe to either of those and give them nice reviews because we always really appreciate when you guys do that. I'm not going to say we're good at anything we do with podcasting, but I will say the thing that we're worst at is self-promotion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that took like so much effort for us to both get out. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. So do us a favor, like and subscribe so we can stop asking you. <laughs> um, as always, I'd like to thank Sean for our music. And as always, I would like to thank Kessie Rilanicki, for that dope, dope logo on every episode. That good, good art. Yeah, good, well, good art. Thank you again for listening, and as always, it's dangerous to game alone. Play this! Yay, good job. Game over.